Yowza, 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 indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Matt Kennedy, one half of the five films from podcast here. Wanted to take a second today before Todd and I get started on the episode to say thanks for listening. And to ask that if you've been enjoying the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and maybe even leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Doing that's going to really help us to connect with more movie-loving listeners just like you. Also, we wanted to give y'all an update on some of the stuff we're working away on for Season 2. Got a lot of good episodes lined up real soon. For example, uh, Todd's currently editing our two-part season premiere on five films from... It's actually going to be ten films from the two-parter. We're going to be doing Brian De Palma. We'll also be gonna getting into some more idiosyncratic stuff with guys like Stuart Rosenberg and Larry Cohen, as well as you know real Hollywood legends like Robert Altman and fan favorites like John Landis and Tony Scott. Again, be sure to subscribe so you can be among the first to hear all of our newest five films from content as soon as it drops. Totally. Lastly, if you're still listening, <laughs> be sure to be on the lookout for our upcoming Patreon feed. We'll be offering all kinds of bonus episodes, things like double features, commentary tracks, etc. 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 And special things like five films from directors who have only made one film and five films from the 70s disaster movie genre. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of things lined up, good things on the horizon for FFF. And yeah, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the show. With Mac Kennedy and Todd Edmondson. We're back today. We're doing five films from uh, director and screenwriter Elaine May. Yes. Uh, yeah. She's got four credits that she directed. She's got a lot of movies that she wrote. And since we're coming right off of Mike Nichols, we decided to swerve right into his old comedy partner and friend Elaine May. Yeah. Who, uh, and her first film that she directed is A New Leaf from about Walter Matthau as a, a rich guy named Henry who he's a trust fund baby yeah, and suddenly and, runs out of money yeah irascible yeah. uh, cad an asshole a, uh, just a real misanthrope like a yeah, guy who just yeah. hates being and anything he just, he just loves to stuff. be rich and yeah. snooty and, and rude and, and, and hates everyone hates everyone yeah, yeah he's classic very Matthau funny Matthau is so good it's great um, yeah the, and I love the way the movie opens where there's two guys in white jackets, mm-hmm. and there's this beeping Beep. sound. Like yeah. an EKG and, machine. And Walter but... Matthau is standing there uh, cutting back and forth between these guys, and the one make, one guy says, you want to go outside and smoke a cigarette? And he goes, no. And it turns out it's the mechanic yeah. for his Ferrari. For his fer- and he wears a hat. <laughs> Every time it shows him driving his Ferrari, he wears a helmet. <laughs> yeah. like, what is that? <laughs> That's just one of those great elements. Yeah, it's, so yeah, it's a really funny movie. Uh, he, he, the he, scene where it opens where he's ducking his lawyer because I think he knows he's out of money and he just doesn't want to get the news. And right? the lawyer is calling him everywhere. Yeah. Uh, they call the control tower at the airport yeah. finally and says, we're holding this flight until Walter <laughs> Matthau answers the phone. Right. And then the scene... Now, his attorney, who is that actor? He's because played by William Redfield. He looks a little like Mike Nichols. Oh, yeah, he kind of <laughs> yeah. does. 
was. I don't know. I don't know that actor from anything, but he did get an and credit. It said and William Redfield. So I don't yeah, know. That would have been a that would have been a funny touch if it was if Mike it were Mike Nichols. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember when we did Patty Chayefsky? Charles Hayes looks like Patty Chayefsky. Yeah, like a very yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's just a weird thing. There. Sometimes you get a uh, you, you see somebody and go, oh, this is perfect. This fits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the attorney tells him when we spend more per month or per year than we have an income. You must then dip into the capital, eventually exhausting the capital, and of course, therefore, the income. Do you see what I mean? And and Walter Matthau just no, keeps no, no, saying, no, 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 no. keeps saying, get to the point. <laughs> I, I understand that, but I need this check cash. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't get it. <laughs> the guy's like that money. You have no capital. You have no income. You have no. It's only money. It's mo- no. You have no money. There's, there's no other way to put it. You see? You mean I have no money? Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I've already spent seven hundred and fifty dollars right, yeah. of my own money to cover another check. I'm not covering this right. one. But I did that. I love where he says I did that just for the satisfaction of knowing you can't pay me back or something like that. Yeah. Really or funny. yeah, I'm just saying like I don't have to feel guilty about your financial demise. Yeah, yeah. Your financial demise. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. So he has to go and uh he has to go and kiss, uh, kiss James Coco's ass, who's his uncle. His uncle, yeah. Yeah, and his uncle is is a an effete snob with the same, you know, the, this even the like same a, just plot. an older generation version of the same guy. Exactly, basically. exactly right. Take it. Your answer is no. Yes, it's no. And he's got a pug, and he's uh, you know he's smoking his cigarettes, and and I love the way he's cutting a banana into little pieces. It's just so. It's just rich snobbery. It's, it's it's t- just, what is it? A it's word for it. Fr- fabulously well to do. What is that? That's from Kurt Vonnegut, yeah. I think. I think that's from <laughs> Breakfast of Champions. Fabulously well to do. Yeah, and so Walter Matthau agrees to put up everything. He owns. What is my collateral in the event that you fail? Collateral. Mm. My wardrobe and furnishings. Oh my God! What would I? No. Yes. Go on. My collection of first editions. My paintings and sculpture. Oh well. And my. What? No. No what? Well, that's it. No, no, you said no. You said no. What? No what? All right. My Ferrari 275 GTB4, which retails at $15,900 and is owned outright by me. And the Ferrari's constantly in the shop because the mechanic keeps saying that. And he told me there was carbon on the valves, which was no news to me because there's always carbon on the valves. My old mechanic picked up the car yesterday and returned this afternoon with the news that there was carbon on the valves. I asked him why the car broke down so frequently, and he said it was probably because carbon got on the valve. And then the pilot says that on the plane also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a running gag. Uh, so, so, so the uncle says, I'll do it on one condition. Well, you... well what happens, yes. Yeah, so the, he goes to the uncle to loan him money, 
uh, basically with the the idea being the idea that he gets from his butler, the the butler uh, played by George Rose, Harold the butler, who is really funny, really a very funny. very good character, sort of out of the you know a, a, it's a kind of a trope the like exasperated butler you yeah, know yeah it's like arthur's butler John arthur's Gilgood. butler or the other great example is denim elliott in trading places yeah he's That's smarter like, than yeah, everybody uh, basically what will i do what any gentleman of similar breeding and temperament would do in your position sir suicide no sir i was not going to suggest suicide sir. i was going to suggest marriage marriage you mean to a woman? That's right. And then that's okay. I'm going to my uncle to get money, you know, that I need right now with the condition that I that I pay him back married. Right? You know, yeah, with a yeah, witch, yeah. with a rich wife. And if on I my don't, hands. I have to yeah. pay him back double. Or no, I if I don't, I got to give him everything. Yeah, right, right. all my all Getting my everything, everything and and uh, and yeah. uh, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically, I get, yeah, it's basically just a big gamble on on Mathos part. Um, so he starts cruising. He starts cruising. To look for a wife. And he can't stand it. Is the he yeah. hates He's it. He's having such a bad time. What I love is the very first woman in the bikini. Mm-hmm. That's um, Renee Taylor. Okay. That's Joe Bologna's wife. Oh, yeah. In real life. Okay, yeah. that's funny. And they did a. They were a comedy duo at one point. <laughs> and, like a Stiller and Mara and uh, Nichols and May. Sure, but sure. they weren't married. And uh, Or George and Gracie. <laughs> that's yeah. right. The, um, uh, there's the thing where he's out with her and they're like, she's just... Falling all over She's herself. She's a horn dog, and man. Walter it's is hilarious. just not interested. It's like it's 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 funny how disinterested he is. It's like, <laughs> She's just throwing herself at him in a bikini. Yeah, it's I know. A, and hilarious. then she tries to take her boobs out, and he's like, "No, don't let them out." It's such, it's such a strange reaction, but it is really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, it, when you're confronted with the idea of getting married and being stuck with this person yeah. in order to survive, your standards suddenly go well, that, way up. That's the thing. Yeah, it's the he's really like I used the word already, just misanthropic. Yeah, he just yeah. hates everybody. He yeah. hates everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Such a curmudgeon. And Matt, though, of course, invented that character. Yeah, he's been doing it well for you know he did um, it well for a real long time. Yeah, uh, the, the, and funny thing, he, he 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 before he does this, he's walking through the club and all of these places right. that represent his wealth and stature, and and this is very religious quasi-religious kind of music playing yeah. in the background it's really yeah, funny he says the word under his breath poor <laughs> right a couple times and i rewatched it did I, did I make that up or did he do that no he said that a couple times yeah it's like alter stay william hurts dad sucks about terrible oh, terrible yeah uh-huh mm-hmm. and so after having like there's like a little short sequence of him just meeting people and and uh you know, finding them unsatisfactory, and then he ends up meeting Elaine May herself. Isn't she's in this movie as well as Henrietta? It's Henry yep. and Henrietta. Henry and Henrietta, great. And she's a a real goofball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's just a nerd personified. She's got all this inherited money. Uh, she's just so detached from everything except um, like the chauffeur. Yeah, yeah. She wants to discover a plant. My hope is to discover a new variety of fern that has never been described or classified. I don't know what my dream is. Do you think it could be the same as my hope? That's why the movie's called A New Leaf. Yeah, so yeah. She, I, halfway through the movie, I'm like, it's not like a metaphor. It's literally about a new leaf. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's I mean, It's kind sure. of a metaphor also. Yeah. 
and she and she spills food on herself all the time. It spills tea on herself at this party, and he's like, she's perfect. He and, can he zeroes in on her like right and away. And it also around this time is when you realize he's not just planning on marrying her. He's planning on marrying and killing yeah, her. Yeah, like, that's yeah. also like the sort of that, underplayed in the plot, but it's always there, and, and, he, and it's handled in a really interesting way. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and and. and he he's just a terrible person. It's about a terrible person doing a terrible thing in order to just make his life better. Period. Or yeah, at the just expense of anything to, to keep else. his lifestyle up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's really it's but really then, good. So the from there, that's that's just kind of the setup. That's the first twenty minutes of the movie that we're talking about. More yeah, or less. yeah. Because from there, she's uh, Elaine May's character, Henrietta, is. Her lawyer, who's also like trying to get get her, get with her to get her money, is Jack Weston. <laughs> and Jack Weston and Matthew have a couple of misanthrope offs in the yeah, real yeah, life. Yeah, he's a who real is seedy just a more asshole? asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who it's wants really, it more? Really, really good. Right. Yeah. No, 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 no. I won't accept it. As your lawyer, I forbid it. But Andrew, I'm in love. Nonsense. After three days, who is he? One of your students, that little wino who went with you on one of your field trips to the Canary Islands. Malcolm Finger is not a wino, Andrew. Then it is him. No, it is well, not. Well, then who is it? Jack Weston's terrific. He's always, like, sweaty. Always sweaty, yeah. 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 He was in like Gator. Gator. Yeah. He's always sweaty. And he's, in, and... he's in Ishtar also. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, and he plays a CD agent yep. in Ishtar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's wonderful. He is really um, funny, yeah. Good I rem- it's funny. I'd, I'd completely forgotten this, but um, my parents love this movie. And um, they talk about the line where she, her favorite drink is Logan David's extra heavy Malaga wine with soda and lime juice. <laughs> and they used to say, my dad used to say, extra heavy Malaga. When Walter Matthau like tries to drink it, he's <laughs> just he hates it again. That's like every scene. It's just he hates it so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She says it tastes like grape soda, and he says, why don't you just drink grape yeah. soda? <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. It's just horrible. It's so funny. Um, he's spilling, and she's spilling stuff, and he's, what does he say? You know how many llamas must have died to make that rug? <laughs> yeah. Some great lines. The second she walks out of the room, too, he's talking to the butler about, oh, this uncouth woman doesn't deserve to live. <laughs> the second she's out of the room. <laughs> And the butler's constantly eavesdropping on his encounters with her because he makes very clear that he needs him to have money too, so he can exactly. keep being employed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's he gonna do right. when, when the when when the money runs out? And um, so he talks her into it by saying he had intended to kill himself until he met her, and she saved his life just by serendipity mm-hmm. of. And she totally buys it. Jack Weston is furious. <laughs> You know, he's so great, and and uh, they do get married in time, mm-hmm. and uh, so Jack Weston's been and, handling all and of her the whole, money though. That's... The whole reason she likes him is is demonstrated like pretty early when she says like, "Oh Henry, you are really so self assured. You're so positive. It almost gives me confidence just to be with you." Then in a very short time, you will be a very confident botanist. She, she's like obviously like into him from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You know? Nobody has ever, uh, it, nobody's it, ever paid any attention yeah. to her. It, it almost reminds me of um, what's her name in Marty. In, oh in, yeah, yeah, Betsy yeah, Blair, yeah, yeah. Just a wallflower mm-hmm. and a, and a, and you know, kind of an old maid who's even at a young age is kind of like I'll never get married. I'll, I'll never find 
find that, uh, you know. And and it's obvious when, you know, once they're married, he and he just he and Jack Weston is is giving her away crying, and I <laughs> I think that's the la- no. You see him one more time, but that's like almost the last time you see him in the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, he he does show up later because uh, because Mathow gets into the house and he finds out that uh, she's paying all of these people all of this money, and they're all pulling the purse strings. They're all getting paid these. They're deliberately salaries. and they're deliberately ripping her off. It's yeah, not just yeah. like generosity. It's like they're going after her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're totally taking advantage. Of the and situation. Jack Weston is in on it with them, right? He's getting right. The he's of the it one as who well. signs the checks, right. and mm-hmm. and uh, he's taking half of their salary. Yeah. So they think they're getting three hundred dollars a week, and they're really getting six hundred, and he's keeping the other three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Matthew fires everybody. Yeah. There were a lot of strange people in the house. Yeah, they are not people, Henry. Yes, they're servants. I hired them this morning. No, Henry, Mrs. Trager will be furious. Mrs. Trager has been fired along with the rest of the staff, so her emotional responses need no longer concern you. And they all go to Jack Weston's office, like, what the fuck? Uh, and so they close, and then they close the account. They put Matthew on as a signer, and the whole and he thing hires changes. a bunch of new people. It all changes. Yeah, he really. Yeah. yeah. He kind of like don't 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 talk to the housekeeper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah he's he's really a sh- like uh, it. I mean, he is an elitist piece of shit. I mean, that's the kind of person he's always been. But this does show like. He shows like an unexpected talent for organization, for you know, actually handling this. Yeah, stuff. for being somebody who has no discernible right. skills whatsoever. Well, that's what the butler says. Yeah, the butler a- says that to him, and then kind of makes it clear later that oh, almost like you know, this brought out a new skill in you. Well, maybe maybe you don't have to murder her. Maybe you can just live together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, how how in, else? in the same way that you give her confidence to be a better botanist, maybe she allows you to you know have skills for once. Well, yeah, and his skill is survival that he had never had to do before. Right, and so his survival depends on her money being intact. And so, yeah, it's sort of out of necessity, but he is really good at it, and he doesn't take any shit. Because he's an asshole. Well, yeah, too, that's right. You yeah. know, <laughs> he ha- he hated the staff, so mm-hmm. he hires the staff and says, "Don't talk to the staff. The staff's the staff, and you're you, and it's your money." And you know, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just a it's a, it's a real dichotomy there where it's not a moral issue with him. No, it's not. Uh, it's but just he like becomes a, a better person, it, it, a more sort of, of like complete person, if not a better person. You yeah, know, a, yeah, a person yeah. Maybe with a little more depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, and and. Uh, and he's still thinking he's about still killing her. To kill, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that what the butler said to him about that maybe is like a glimmer of a mind change in his mind, but he's still going going through with it he's as still of right now. Go through with it. Well, sir, my point is, sir, that that you have shown a most surprising talent, sir. And although Mrs. Graham's helplessness is a little bit irritating at times, so couldn't it be in some strange way, sir, that this very helplessness has been the stimulus of your own amazing new competence. I mean, very often, sir, you know, what we what we dislike most in other people is only a reflection of our own inadequacies, sir, and our own shortcomings. Harold, why don't I, you I do pack the revolver? The, the Please put the flask down, Harold. They yeah. go on a camping trip, and then yeah. there's a... She goes a, on a field trip a field every trip. year. Yeah, that's right. field trip every year from school. She keeps trying to convince Matha that he could be a history teacher because he has a degree in history. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 yeah, I, is, I'm not. Is that all that. you need to be like an instructor at college? Is a BA in history? I guess it depends on the college. I have a BA <laughs> in history. Like you know, I, I was thinking about that. It's hmm. well, you know, you just gotta you gotta find the right college. I, I guess. guess so. Yeah. yeah, and it helps to have some to have Elaine May in there, yeah. who's, who you're married to, and is also like real rich and influential. Yeah, yeah. who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Nichols yeah, and May. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, and and George and uh, Martha and Martha mm-hmm. mm. and Dick and Liz. Yeah. So um, so they've got this field trip all set up, and he's like, uh, "We don't need a guide, and not going to be anybody with us." Hmm. Oh, I, maybe I will go. Yeah. And but right before they go, she did discover a leaf on her on their honeymoon on together. Their honeymoon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he has she... it encased in like a locket, kind of a plastic locket where you can see it, and he's kind of touched by it. Yeah. And, and you can tell he's like, "Shit." I feel as though you've given me your place in the atlases, Henry. I don't think I could have ever discovered it without you. You gave me confidence. You remember? You said that if being with you was going to give me confidence, I was going to be a very confident botanist. But you were right. Yeah. That scene really kind of, that scene really kind of touched me. It was kind yeah, of like, yeah. I don't know. Because, yeah. you know, I'm a lot like this Walter Matthau character, except not rich. Basically, <laughs> I'm like I'm even more useless. So like when something get, you know got through to him, it kind of got through to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. It was great. And uh, you know they're doing this field trip and they're kayaking, and of course um, they go down the rapids because they're not really. He's not really prepared. He's prepared to do something. No, neither one of them saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. He's fantasizing about, I don't know, natives and loincloths stealing oh, her, yeah. or a bear and grabbing her. What about the little things. computer sounds when it's like when his brain he's is doing working, yeah. like oh, trying to calculate how he can kill her, and they put in these little computer sounds. Yeah, I didn't check who did the music, but uh, or the sound design. I just totally missed music that. Music is Neil Hefty. Who I'm, Neil Hefty. Yeah, there you go. Guess what Neil did? There you go. Neil wrote the Batman That's, theme. That's okay. There you yeah. go. That's, Neil Hefty is that. the shit. That's who did it. There you well, go. He, he did a famous album with Count Basie. Uh, cool. Atomic Basie. Wonderful stuff. Um, yeah, so there you go. And the computer thing, I can see that's kind of a... I can see where Neil will go, oh, the MGM guys, they got a sound. Yeah. You know, we can use that. Um, and And... Did you know? Uh, I was going to say about her her leaf that she discovers for Henry Graham and names it after him. Did you know that they consulted with Dr. Dominic Basile of Columbia for quote botanically accurate lines? Really? Yeah, isn't no, that cool? I didn't yeah. know that. That's good. Hey, welcome back to the Wikipedia podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and saying, uh, he yeah. loses he loses the locket, but he sees there's one right there where he's made it to shore and she's still in the water. Right after saying and, I can't swim. And he, he like sets her up to drown right there. He's like, "Yeah, come to me," and then he walks away. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got it. He's got it all figured out, except that um, he sees the plant and he starts thinking. And she's hanging onto a log. She's going, "You know, I don't know how to swim." And he said, "No, I didn't know that." And he's right. Admitted yeah. he didn't know that. Uh, but it's just like the perfect opportunity. And he goes and saves. But because he he sees the leaf, and then it's yeah. like I think the last line is Henry. Yes. I know that this isn't exactly what you planned. What? But will you mind doing it very much? Being a history instructor? And going to the university with you in the mornings? And grading term papers with you in in the study every semester? Not terribly. 
<laughs> and then the they walk away, and it's really a cool shot as the credits come up because there's like a big old lens flare like framing the credits. You know yeah, like, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah, neat. Yeah. That was cool. It looks kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was a really, uh, a really well shot, thought out movie. Um, this obviously made Elaine May put him, put her on the radar as being like a filmmaker. Right. You know, even though it was a, you know, a, a, a fairly brief uh, uh, run as, you know, oh, well, not it's brief, a light, it's like not comedy brief, but, too. But. Oh, I was thinking like her career as a filmmaker is not, it's not brief in that it's unnotable. It's very notable. It's just kind of truncated. Like she it's didn't, didn't get to be too much of a director, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, we'll get into that yeah. because the movies uh, we're covering today, there a lot of them have tons and tons well, of problems. And can, she wanted her name off of this well, movie? Well, we can start right here. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess... She the version of the movie that she like had as her rough cut that she showed to Robert Evans and Paramount was 180 minutes long. Holy cow! And it's what's she Eric von Stroheim? Isn't that insane? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and so uh, Bob Evans was like, no, 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 and he basically uh, took the film off of her, you know, away from her. And even though she had final cut, Bob had be- Bob and his people cut it all up anyway. And Elaine May sued them to try to get her name off after that. Uh, I don't blame her. Didn't work. Is her name is still on it. Yeah. Um, you know what else is in those extra 78 minutes? Uh, a subplot involving McPherson, the Jack Weston character, and another character played by the actor William Hickey, who shows up in another one. Uh, she, he shows up in Mikey and Hickey. Mikey oh, yeah. And Mikey and Nicky. So uh, Weston's character and William Hickey's character were... Uh, continuing to try to scam Elaine May, so Walter Matthau poisons them. Oh my yeah, god! That's and so basically, uh, it, as and this is again Wikipedia podcast. I'm just quoting here, but it does totally change the ending because it quote darkly casts Henry's eventual acceptance of a life with Henrietta as his sentence. Uh, whereas with the movie that exists. It just kind of feels into a like a love story. And it shows it, like know. he didn't really he didn't really have the guts. To, what's he gonna? He hadn't thought it out. He's gonna kill her, but he doesn't have the guts to do it. He really does care for her, you know. That's, yeah, so it's more it's sentimental. Weird, yeah, that's a much more sentimental movie. It, it, that poisoning somebody sounds like uh, like my friend complained about The Shining. He said, you know, in the book, nobody dies. Right. Uh, and I said, well, it looks like Kubrick decided that. Jack needed to kill Scatman Crothers to make it totally obvious mm. that he's homicidal. Right. As opposed to just being completely crazy. Well, I guess if that version, in that version, it sounds to me like the whole idea of Walter Matthau recognizing how he makes her grow as a person and how she makes him grow as a person and sort of like having that play in his mind, it seems to undercut that and it's more just like, I'm fated to be with her because I killed these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. It, I can that's, see that's that. How it seems more like a darker ending. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ending. It's more nuanced and, and uh, it, it's just more I, expansive. I, I do s- like the ending as it is. I actually think it's like really sweet and it played, you know, like I said, it hit me. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it would have been very different and I can understand where Elaine was it, it going. It is very sentimental too. Um, and I, I gather she's not that sentimental. <laughs> no, no. I, well, yeah, those other, other movies certainly show that. Yeah. I guess... Um, when uh, Walter Matthau uh, 
his sort of he he could have used sway to to sort of you know uh, say that no I want Elaine May's version but he basically said I don't know I like the cut version better you know it's it's yeah. it runs and it it's funnier it run it's faster paced I think it's a pretty great film and then Vincent Canby the critic from the New Yorker his line was uh, I haven't seen Miss May's version but I can only say that the film I saw would be a credit to almost any director cool well, so, you yeah, can't you, beat that you can't beat that that's a pretty good re- uh, uh, reception as opposed to like other movies that get compromised like swing shift that people completely hate <laughs> yeah i know yeah there you go uh well that's a new leaf and it's definitely well, worth watching a couple other things i have just uh uh brief notes that are kind of random did you the doris roberts played the housekeeper mrs Trager. Yeah. may i ask where the chauffeur is well uh, didn't he pick you up at the airport no, he did not. <laughs> well, uh, I guess uh, his car broke down. I'll have to look into that. She was really funny. I did like. Oh uh, yeah, she was like really that. good in her role. And Tom, then Tom Bosley and Conrad, um, what's his name from Different Strokes? Conrad Bain is that his name? Oh, okay. They were at the wedding. Okay, they were TV, there you go. TV people. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's uh, funny. And then one specific shot I wanted to write down was when it first cuts to James Coco as the uncle, and it's him laughing. <laughs> and it's like this insane split diopter where Walter Matthews like, way behind him, but it makes it look like they're right up close. Yeah, yeah, I and, did And, and then that. it cuts, it's it's like a split diopter times three. I mean, I, that technically doesn't make any sense, but it's the effect is so magnified. Yeah, it's a really it was really a really a cool funny shot. shot a good shot. Yeah, yeah. And James Coco's just he's so smarmy. He's a little smoking jacket, and and uh, I was trying to think of the movie he plays a similar kind of character, and I couldn't think of it. He's yeah, I've seen him in other stuff. Yeah, he's um, a, he's like a musical comedy kind of a guy. I think he's more of a stage guy maybe than than movies. But he did have a run. It seemed like he was a Neil Simon dish type of actor too okay okay yeah um but i don't know I, I i'm remember. looking at his filmography he's in a lot of stuff but nothing i've really seen like uh, muppets take manhattan he's in muppets take manhattan oh yeah there you, you there, there you go there you go uh-huh. um yeah so that was a new leaf um there you go there you go yeah. is that is that what we're talking about yeah, yeah i think we definitely covered it and cool, you know cool. and then uh, we'll see what elaine may does after this <laughs> yeah yep yep when we come back there you go All right. Next film up gonna be uh, 1972's *The Heartbreak Kid*. You'll soon be safe and sound, and you can rest. But till then, keep your smile glued on tight. You'll be all right. You're going. Which is very funny as well. Another pretty good one. Very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember this movie when it came out. Um, I was a big Neil Simon fan. Used to read all of his plays. Uh, this is a Neil Simon screenplay via a Bruce J. Friedman story. Yeah. Um, was that from the New Yorker? Or was it a novel? What was it? Oh, Esquire. Uh, think, Esquire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and 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 uh, and Elaine directs it. Yeah. 
So she has, and that. it was marketed as Neil Simon's The Heartbreak Kid. You know, it wasn't. Nobody said Elaine May's The Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Carpenter's The Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, well, well, that's you know, in the stake of Christine, it was not Stephen King's Christine. They did make it John Carpenter's. So yeah, yeah. I know. That it's thing. really yeah. wild, man. Mm-hmm. They they understand where the where the flip, they they know the, exactly the you know, whether the whether it's coin. the author or the director. Yeah. They always know who's the who's bigger. Who's going to sell? What name's going to sell it the best? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was. Uh, this was really uh, uh, it was a good call, and so as a director, she did a wonderful job again with another very very funny movie, and mm-hmm. it's very co- very concise and straight to the point, and a wonderful cast. And another movie where the lead character is just a complete bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah a real just a not a cool terrible guy. person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Charles Grodin again, uh, and, dude. and one of his. Probably first real star well, we turn. Were, what were we thinking about? We did Charles Grodin, and we talked about him in Catch-22. And so before, Rosemary's Baby was his first movie. And then Catch-22, and then this. Like, he was working with, like, three heavy-duty monstrous characters. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like, he, like, he said... Uh, and in, monster directors, too. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And she said that... Uh, or um, Charles Grodin had said that... Uh, like people just automatically think I'm a jerk now because of these movies. Yeah, because this movie specifically, but all of his early roles were like that. Yeah, he he, he always plays. Yeah, he plays a really dry. He smokes a pipe, and it's just like he does. Like yeah, I know, too. I know. It's yeah, so that, funny. And he's just he's just really dry and and very very self centered. That's mm-hmm. the problem, and it's just like. Uh, Let's 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 just smooth everything over. Let's just get it done, you know. And, and uh, so the so the upshot is that he um, he decides to get married, and uh, he marries Jeannie Berlin, who's wonderful in this. Who's movie Elaine May's too. daughter? Do you know that? Yeah, I didn't. I that. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they're you know when you watch her in A New Leaf versus Jeannie Berlin in this movie, the similarities are definitely it's there. It's very striking. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. it, it is very striking. She's great in this movie, mm-hmm. and he gets married, and it's a very Jewish, small Jewish wedding. And uh, he immediately realizes he made a mistake. I well, mean, it's, basically, it's... they're driving to their honeymoon, and he knows. But and then like as soon as they have sex, because the first thing is like she she's like, no, I don't want to do it. I want to wait or whatever. Uh, nobody waits anymore. And then but they do wait. And then like immediately after and like I think they're in a motel or something. And like, what? Yes, it was great for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, she's like she needs constant reassurance. Yeah. It's really annoying. He can't stand it. I love the scene where he where he's you know he's done and she's just. She's fussing with his chest hair. It made my skin crawl. <laughs> and and don't, don't make little circles on my chest, okay? Hmm? I like to. I know you like that. I have an incredibly sensitive chest, though. It's... I'll make little squares. <laughs> no, really, come on. Uh, nothing. It's my stupid chest. Time goes by and she's asleep in the morning and he's sitting in the corner staring at her like, (laughs) what the fuck am I going to do My God, my God, what have I done? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so great. And, and, um, oh, the first dance at the wedding I I wanted to point out was close to you. And 
the, they play it all over. Whoever the church organist is is playing some of the wrong chords. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. actually really funny. Yeah, and, uh, and they're singing it. In there's the sports a great car the whole way. accuracy that? to that as well. Of <laughs> just like, yeah, this random synagogue guy might play this a little bit. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, just a little uh, bit wrong. Yeah, and it might have gotten published a little bit wrong. Maybe I so. Worked, yeah, yeah, I worked in music, um, in sheet music for a million years, and boy, do we make mistakes. That's obviously a Carpenter's song. Was it written by Paul Williams? I know a lot of Carpenter's oh, it could music. Be, yeah, I, and, I think and Paul it Williams and Glenn May were real. Well, buds. Ishtar, yeah, yeah, Ishtar was all real Paul buds. Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that maybe so, um, but yeah, that song is used a lot. I didn't think lot. to look that up. Yeah. But that, that's uh, they're singing it in the car, and what's that little sports car he's driving? It's really cool. Oh, it's a Triumph, a, a, a Triumph. British car. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that white car it is really cool. Yeah, I had a friend who had a TR one and a two and a three and a four and a five. And oh, a six really? And a seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a mechanic for them from Miami Beach Fire Department. I went to high school with him. He's an older guy, and and. Uh, and he said they never. I said, Rod, you never drove these things that I've ever seen you drive them. He said, I'm always working on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he Brit- had them though. Yeah, he yeah. had them. Oh yeah, he loved them. The British couldn't make a car if he held a gun to their head. Apparently, but it, apparently it's, it's all just electrical. Style. It's all style. It's That's all what style. It is. But yeah. it's mostly electrical problems okay. that, I, that I that I recall. I got you. Uh, but that was a really cool car. Oh, they're chewing gum together. That drives me nuts. Oh too. yeah, I know. We're that's, in the car. That's great movie code for annoying character. Is yeah. constantly chewing gum. <laughs> great movie code. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He just wants to get to Virginia. Just wait till we get to Virginia. He's got a. He's got a. Uh, he's got an itinerary. He knows where they're, they're going to go. They're going to Florida. They're going, they're going to Miami state Beach. to state. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when they finally get there, it's really cool to see Miami Beach. Yeah, yeah, in the early seventies because I moved down here in nineteen seventy, and right, my dad right worked on time, Miami Beach. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I I just see all of that shit and I go, wow, you know. Great old Miami Beach is the beginning of Goldfinger, also. Oh yeah, yeah Hello, that's really Betty. great. Great early, great early Miami Beach, yeah, great stuff. So, cool. um, so they they. They get there, and he's like, don't lay in the sun, you know. Right. Don't lay in the-. And, and she <laughs> immediately gets sunburned. I won't. I won't get a sunburn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she immediately gets this terrible sunburn, and he goes out on the beach by himself. And Sybil Shepherd plays this. Minnesota, of course, she's beautiful and blonde. Uh, a complete, like, cardboard cutout of a character. She's a brat. <laughs> yeah. She's just a rich brat. I said, you're lying in my spot. Right, you know, but she's like flirting with him, and he's into it. And it's yeah, yeah. Like, but you also get the vibe that she never really gives a shit about him, right? You know, exactly. That's also the thing. Yeah, that's just her thing. And she's just a flirty. And he's so girl. like clueless, and he automatically thinks like they're in love, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He buys into this whole idea that he invents that that she she's enamored with him and it's the opposite no and she never has any never presents any illusion that she is not not at all never not once not once no they have no relationship but she keeps teasing him and and uh and kind of like fucking with him by the pool she'll say say shit to him he's coming out with like he he's coming out with like different lies to try to get out of hanging out with his wife on their honeymoon (laughs) just have to have this drink with this old army buddy of mine first honey Imagine running into him on the beach like that. Yeah, he's got one thing after another. It reminds me like, do you remember in like the really last season episodes of Breaking Bad when Walter White is just like reeling and you know every scene oh, is he God, just yeah. making shit up? So I pull out the hose to put it back and whoosh! Yeah, I am suddenly soaked in gasoline. I mean, on my arms and my legs and my my groin. 
there's a scene where Skylar just kind of stops believing him and walks away yeah. in the middle. And that's totally the uh, sort of visceral rem- memory I got during that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Just, that's a good one. Just like without a net bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just lies upon lies yeah. upon lies. And, and they and... get more and more crazy. And it's a tactic to make the lies more and more crazy because if you question something that's that crazy, all of a sudden you're the asshole. Yeah, yeah. right. That's it's, right. He does yeah. that on purpose, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly right. Uh, because he just wants Sybil Shepherd. He wants her. Mm-hmm. And she strings him along. She's like, uh, hey, we're going to meet at the bar. And she's like, well, come and sit at the table. And her dad Mike, is there. Well, he hasn't met you yet, but just from appearances, he doesn't like you. <laughs> and <laughs> and he she does. was right. He was right. It's Eddie Albert as, as the he dad. Is so Dwayne. good in this movie. Coming, uh, was it right off of The Longest Yard or right before? But yeah, he was doing some great movie roles it was this right time in, as well. Right in that right wheelhouse. Before, right yeah. before, yeah. Cool. Right in that wheelhouse. Cool, yeah. And of course, anybody who knows television knows he was with uh, Green, Gabor and Jacques. Green, Green, Green Acres is the place to be. Green Acres is the place to be. When I was, I don't know, maybe like fifth grade, sixth grade, I watched me a bunch of Green Acres. Oh TV yeah, Land. Yeah, yeah. TV uh, Land is the greatest yeah. thing. TV Land. Because I was like, who, who? Well, how come we're not? You know, how come we're not getting to see old TV? It's so much better than the <laughs> new shit. And that, I mean, I don't I mean, know I'm if it is or Perry. isn't. But yeah, I, mean, I know well, certain... I'm hooked on Perry Mason because sure. it's a childhood uh, uh, damage there. Um, sure. Yeah, uh, um, and and Jeannie Berlin is the, like I married a grouch. She keeps calling him Mister Grouch. Mr. It's grouch. so like she's just putting him down all the time, and I can see where he's he he he's looking to get away from her, and so Sybil Shepherd in a way is kind of an excuse. He just it's a fantasy. Right. That, that's it's a, a good fantasy, point. but that's it's a good an point. excuse to get away from his wife, who he he knows that's a fatal error. That's kind of a good point. Yeah, and then uh, so. Of course, if you're going to make a mistake, let's yeah. make it with Sybil Shepherd. Right, sure, yeah. <laughs> and that it makes it easier for that mistake to be made, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there's a, the, I don't know, is this the first scene where he met the dad or the second scene where they're eating dinner together? Uh, Kelly said something about uh, you're laying your cards on the table. Were those your cards? Uh, no, no, I'm just kind of shuffling that. Uh, this is actually my deal now. Um <clears throat> Well, you know, and just just plain old-fashioned corny lingo, sir. Uh, I have fallen head over heels with your Kelly here. Uh, it just, you know, it didn't take me long to make up my mind. One good look did it, actually, if you want to know the truth. But uh, I'm the kind of crazy hairpin that just doesn't need much more than that. And then that's it for life with me. Now... There is a slight complication. Uh, I happen to be a newlywed. And the way Elaine May shoots it is all in this... I don't know if all. There might be one or two brief cuts. But it's mostly played out in this master shot. And it just holds on both of them. And also Sybil Shepard and also the mom are all in the shot They're at the sitting same in the time. Back, yeah. Uh, and Sybil Shepard is like kind of like... I I watched. I she couldn't take my eyes like, off her in that scene. Yeah, she because was, she was like so, cracking up. Well, she well, was trying so, not to crack up. Yeah, she and she also had this kind of look on her face, like, like this is really happening. I didn't really right. think it was to go but this I, far. And that's that's like it wasn't it wasn't cracking up as an actor. It was in character cracking yeah, up. Yeah, it was in with character this, so He's really going to do this. Yeah, and Eddie Albert 
also, and I want he got an Oscar nomination, and so did Jeannie Berlin. They both got Best Supporting Actor and Actress nominations. Awesome. But him, he's got so few lines in this movie, but he does so much just by stone face acting. <laughs> and he, the, the more Charles Grodin talks, the more he just gives him nothing. And he's just losing it. Yeah. He's, he's so uptight. He's like, I'm going to kill him. And, I'm going to kill yeah. him. I hate this guy. I, I can't believe this, you know. Uh, yeah, he he's just so he's really he's exten- so ex- like uh, uh, excellent in this movie. Very funny role. Yeah, and so it, it gave me it gave me uh, a, a little bit of a graduate vibe too when he finally mm-hmm. he finally tells Jeannie Berlin at um at the at, it's a seafood restaurant. It's it it might have been at, oh the um, the they want what do they want the pecan pie and the lobster? Yeah, he tells her that um. He's trying to tell her without telling her that, uh... Uh, yeah, and he's coming up with all kinds of things. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves for anything, you know? I mean, everything could be terrific. The world could be singing. And then suddenly, suddenly for no reason at all, it's over. It's it's over, Lyle. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a, like a lot of blather. He's hoping that she just catches on without him having to take responsibility for saying he doesn't want to be married to her anymore, and he and he finally does, and it's just terrible. It's it is a terrible. terrible. It's horrible. Scene. Yeah, it is a terrible. And scene. it holds. It's you think about like comedy of the last fifteen twenty years, and like. The idea of cringe humor that people often say, like, oh, The Office really brought that craze. Right. This movie was doing it long oh, before man. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, after, you never saw Jeannie Berlin again after that. I never just, did, yeah. No, it was it. And she's... Not, the, not in, in that movie, I mean. Her oh, character, no, no, you're just, right. Yeah, you're right. just yeah. like, ooh, he really did just fucking end it. And she's you, done. You, she didn't fight for him or, or whatever. I don't know. She just disappears. I mean, yeah, uh, that's... I think what Lila would do probably. It's, I would. It's, yeah, if I, I were her, I would. I don't think that. Yeah, she yeah. would have like. You know, yeah. And plus, she, he's too busy going. He goes yeah. to Minnesota, which is the graduate. Well, that's vibe. when it becomes the graduate, basically. Yeah, yeah. At, the, at the end there, yeah, hundred um, percent. The thing about Lila, that character could have very easily just been played as a joke. It could have been a cartoon. It could have. And been. indeed, when there was a remake made in two thousand seven by the Farrelly Brothers. My mem- I saw it once. My memory of it was that Lila was a cartoon, yeah, and it was actually it. like glad. just kind of almost like almost misogynistic and just hard. Like I'm, this is not even good. Uh, but this they give they really gave her like nuance and tragedy, and she's just an annoying person. You know, she's not a terrible person. She's yeah, not, no, you know, no. She, she just. I felt like the whole time I was struggling to put my finger on why does Charles Grodin object to her so much. Like yeah, she, yeah, she doesn't seem that terrible. It's just kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, and you know they say that um, they they say that um, the the people who bother you the most do things that you don't like about yourself. Yeah, so the, yeah, a little bit of that, but it's also it's also like my uh, my granduncle Bean said, you know. Everybody has faults. The trick is to find somebody whose faults don't bother you so much. You and go. her faults bothered, bothered shit him. Of, yeah, very much so. Yeah. the shit out of him. And she is kind of whiny and cloying and 
Oh God! You know you're supposed to figure that shit out before you get married. Otherwise, well, but, that's that's just as much but, his own fault for trying to hello, rush into it. For yeah. you know, he just wanted to have sex with her. Yeah. yeah, hello. And then, but then you know he would never have met Sybil Shepherd otherwise. Right. Uh, and, and <laughs> well, but that doesn't end too well for him either. Ultimately, no. You know, right? He goes to Minnesota, and then what else happens? Yeah, he goes there, and he's he's pastoring her college, and so the graduate again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he says he's you know he he goes to the house and. Eddie Albert is just she makes flipping this, out. She he tells her, uh, Sybil the truth in the car right, in Minnesota, and she makes the somewhat inexplicable character choice of just being cool with it. Don't get so morbid. Give a girl a chance. Yeah, now she likes him. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah she just kind of. I think she. I think she. You know, she likes being chased. Yeah. And so when you've gone to this great length, to well, then you must be. Worth something. Worth your, of course, she's very young, too. She you also know? likes so, bugging her dad. Yeah, she yeah, does. She does, she does yeah. daddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. God, she's so perfect. She's really movie. good, yeah. Um, There's a woman I worked with who um, I remember um, saying to her when I met her, she got hired after me, and I said, uh, you're either from Michigan or California. And she goes, I'm from Michigan. And I said, you know how I know that? Because all the pretty blonde girls in California are from Michigan. And so Sybil's from Minnesota, but I got this vibe. I got the same kind of vibe. It's that Midwest because, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and there's a little bit of Nordic uh, thing. That's in right. There too, that's maybe. Little, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, that's right. And so you could just got this pretty blonde girl who's not. Um, she's not totally vacuous at that point. She she kind of goes, okay, well then we'll go to the cabin and you know we'll try it out. And yeah. so she's a strangely written character. I, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, but no, yeah. She does. A, I mean, she does a great job in it, and you know the way it plays out is necessary for the plot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's in the script, as mm-hmm. we used to say. Yeah. Yeah. But she does. Uh, she does uh, spend the night with him. They do this really. She does this really weird thing with him, where she disrobes. They take their clothes off, and but they don't touch. And yeah. They don't yeah, make love until right. the next night. Uh huh. And so, of course, Drives her dad doesn't know crazy, this. Yeah. yeah, and then she, she she decides, okay, well now we're gonna you're gonna come to the house because you're my guy. Uh, and he's got two muscle. She's got two musclehead boyfriends. Yeah, you know, and and he pulls the whole government being... agent bullshit on him. It's really hysterical. From, yeah, because she wanted to like get get rid of those guys, and she was like, yeah, yeah, get rid of those guys. She yeah. was into it too. Now, see, apparently that fella has something to be frightened of. Do you fellas have anything to be frightened of? No, I don't. Uh huh. How long have you known Miss Corcoran, please? About, about two years. Two years. The, the best of your knowledge, has she used drugs of any kind? No. You boys have any reason to run? No. Well, then why don't you just walk, then? Just walk on. You tell your friend I'm coming back tomorrow. Thank you, fellas. Just keep your nose clean. Kelly, keep moving, please. Yeah. yeah, he does this thing where he pretends to be a cop. Let me get the cigarette. And you remember Midnight Run when he does the yeah, witness yeah, configuration? Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. You know, when he's trying to test the counterfeit money. Yeah, same he exact looks like thing. a government yeah. agent. Yeah. He's so funny. Yeah, he plays a, a yeah. CIA guy in Ishtar. That's he's right, that's right. Yeah. And so when when he when when he needed to, he pulls the old, uh, let me see that pack of cigarettes. Uh, let me see that $20 bill. Oh, yeah, this is fake. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and those then so they when they I'm skipping fact, a little bit and here. In fact, when they do get married, was, yeah, that's what yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> the blonde guy, it was her ex boyfriend, is a, is a man of honor there or whatever. Second time, there's like a joke at a wedding where the joke is 
the other guy standing there. Like Jack <laughs> Weston crying in the last movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. second time of that. It's also yeah. the second, like, disastrous honeymoon of two movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, there you go. Um, But so when he... so. Scoot back like an, another couple minutes. Yeah, because when he meets the father, doesn't meet, but when he goes to the house of the father and, and you know the family, and they're at dinner, and he just gives the fucking most ridiculous like patronizing. Oh, I'm talking to people from the Midwest. So yeah, <laughs> this, this whole thing about. I mean, this is honest food. There, there's no lying in, in that beef. There, there's no uh, insincerity in those potatoes. There's no deceit in the cauliflower. This is a, a totally honest meal. You don't know what a pleasure it is to sit down in this day and age and, and eat food that you can believe in. <laughs> you know no what I'm talking con- about? Yeah, like, no conceit in the cauliflower. This? What the fuck are <laughs> yeah. you talking about? And, and, another, and even another... the mom says, well, I read something really similar today in the... And it was in yeah. the Minnesota Star Tribune. Yeah, so he basically, he just the ripped the editorial. Yeah, yeah, yeah funny? he didn't have anything. And he becomes, he's, he actually, like, goes into, like, this real almost politician speak in the last 15 minutes of the movie about, you know, I think we need to give back. And it's clear because because of that line that you're talking about, he's just saying stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just parroting the, he's trying em- to fit empty in. Empty nonsense. He's trying yeah. to fit in. And uh, Eddie Albert, all during dinner, he's just sitting there. More, he's not saying anything. More no lines, yeah. More no lines, yeah. He's, and just like the just... best silent performance. He has maybe four lines in the movie. Maybe yeah. a little more than that, but not many. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And he makes all of them work, and they all are crucial to understanding. Uh, he finally says... Uh, I want to talk to him alone. And <laughs> they go into his office with a pocket door. And uh, Cronin and gives the... him another fucking five minute monologue just to a stone face after yeah, they close yeah. the door. And then, yeah, and then he says, I heard everything you said. Your feeling about the big cities, the clear air out here, the honest food, getting back to the soil. And I will tell you quite honestly. I was very impressed. I'm very glad to hear that. I was very impressed. And I think I can also say, quite honestly, I have never heard such a crock of horseshit in my life. (laughs) It's like, takes him down. And at that point in the movie, like... Tries to buy him off. Well, he, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. he does. But I, the, the the when he starts like calling him out, the like feeling for the audience is very cathartic because you're like, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. call him out. Yeah, this guy yeah, sucks. Yeah, this guy sucks. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 10, 15, 20, 25,000. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to buy, literally pay yeah. cash to end the whole thing. She, you know, I, she's my girl. Right. Yeah, he you does know? say that. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's so weird. But yeah. That's a dad. That's a dad and daughter thing. And she's, what is she, 21? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, she is. I uh, guess she is pretty young. College, yeah, they're in college. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, he's right to be suspicious of Charles Grodin. Of course, yeah, it's true. His motives are just like, I just want your daughter. And I don't want you to have her. I want to have her. And this power struggle between And meanwhile, I'm so males. fucking capricious. I'm going to tell you that I just left my wife. Like, you know, what what does that say about the kind yeah, of fucking person know, you are? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, what, it's what are you going to do to... to Kelly, the minute after you marry her, yeah, like, you know, yeah. Like, what, and then what it, if you find somebody else? Yeah, and then it cuts to a wedding. <laughs> yeah, uh, they both basically say like, "Yeah, well, 
nuh uh. Like, yeah. They both like nuh uh each other a bunch of times, <laughs> and then it cuts to a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> You wonder where Elaine May gravitates to these two very similar stories of just relationships for the wrong reasons and, and emotives are terrible mm-hmm. and and um, the results are terrible. Yeah. And he's finally sitting there on the couch by himself. Another graduate moment yeah. where he's singing yeah. close to you. And there's no, he, he's the talking after, to these, like the, talking the reception these two little the kids. Yeah. Once the girl's six and the guy and the kid's ten, and he's saying, "I want to get back to the land," and the kid's like, "Excuse me," and gets up, and then the girl leaves, and then he and says, he's sitting there on the couch, and he with, says, "I was ten." <laughs> that's the last line of the movie. I know that's such a great line. Yeah, it's so good. And yeah, cl- and close to you. Is, and is then like again. the various people at the weddings. There's a lot of money in tear gas. Yeah. <laughs> I got one word for you. Uh, Plastic. Yeah. Same type of thing. <laughs> the same crowd. Same, yeah. yeah. And that's, it's funny because that's Mike Nichols and Elaine May. It seems like it's definitely the two of them giving their same, the take on uh, the same theme. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Generational angst and disillusionment and kind of like, you know, uh, alienation that was all happening at that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, we loved it. And, uh, and uh, did we have, any have anything? Wild I, backstory? I've got a couple of things. Um, this is actually the one that does not have much of a backstory, right? And not not controversial. But I want to talk about it in terms of its. Oh, veal in a can. Veal in a can was another uh, big money maker. That's good. Oh, um, the theme song. That's really cruel too. That like da 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 da. What is that? Cy Coleman. Cool. There yeah, you go. and Sheldon, nice. Sheldon Harnick, who's really a lyricist for, I like uh, that. Yeah, for for Fiddler on the Roof. I feel like that's music that, even though it was original score for this movie, has been appropriated and used all over the place. Like, yeah, it's very well, that's familiar. What, it was uh, Cy Coleman's, uh, you know, cabaret, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was he was at the pinnacle, the peak of his of his short powers there. Cy was Coleman. Cy Coleman did cabaret. I thought Kander and Ebb did cabaret. Oh, that's right. No, I'm thinking Cy you're thinking Coleman of, was... Um, you're thinking of Bob... Bob, Bob, Bob. What's the... Uh, oh, my God. Shirley MacLaine. Sweet Charity. Yeah, Sweet Charity. Yeah. Hello. That's mm-hmm. it. I knew it was Fosse, mm-hmm. but I couldn't... I uh, got him switched up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cy Coleman. So, uh, something that I wanted to mention also, again, comes from something I found on Wikipedia, but it's something that more or less flew past me as, you know, somebody who's not Jewish it's thought of in a lot of circles as a story of sort of Jewish identity, and um, because Charles Grodin and Lila are both Jewish characters, mm-hmm. and they're both sort of stereotypes, like the bumbling, self-involved Nebish, and also right. the like loud, the whiny, yeah. yeah, and they're both sort of stereotypes. And then he ends up falling for this, you Shiksa know, all-American Shiksa goddess who yeah. doesn't really have much in the way of a comprehensible personality, right? And so just, Lenny Bruce, uh, the, you know, he, uh, again, he falls for wasp blonde. And uh, Neil Simon wanted Diane Keaton in the role, but Elaine May specifically said, like, not Jewish enough. The contrast between Delilah actress and... Um, Sybil Shepard needed to have that Jewish versus Christian dichotomy. Got to. In order for her, yeah. And then there's on, this is also just a quote from Wikipedia, but um, this is how that subsection summarizes the final moment. Lenny is now failing to communicate with Kelly's Gentile family. He gave up his personal cultural traditions and now misses them. Having walked down the aisle with a large crucifix overhead, Lenny's now on the couch by himself, swimming in a sea of Christianity. (laughs) 
so that's pretty cool. Like that's I mean that's a take that went right over my head, that, but it's there. That's a good yeah. one. That's really good yeah. take. And yeah. then Eddie Albert. Daddy doesn't like this place. He doesn't like the element you get here. We're moving to the jockey club until Saturday. Like what's that? You know that's that's uh, what's that? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. That's the second movie of the five. That's a good one. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. We're back, and what are we back with? The third movie of the day is going to be Mikey and Nikki from uh, (laughs) Reefer Town, USA, from 1976, another Paramount picture. think about this i'm a huge john cassavetes <laughs> fan and although he only acts in this it just feels like a cassavetes movie well i think he said somewhere i remember reading this or maybe listening to it somewhere that he this is the only movie he was in outside of the ones he directed that he thought was worth the shit like, yeah, uh, yeah 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 like rosemary's baby dirty dozen who needs them according to john yeah yeah, yeah like but hey, uh my favorite of his was the devil's angels devil's angels the way out wild ones Grabbing at all sensations with their mamas. He plays the head of the motorcycle gang. Sort of a, totally miscast. Sort of a, a. But he said he did it. He did it because he had the money to, that gave him the money to do faces. See, yeah, that's the whole thing. His, yeah, all his. He com- just worked to make movies. All his movies. And he was kind of a movie star. He was sort of famous, especially mm-hmm. in the '60s. He had a TV show. He was in the Lee Marvin movie, The Killers. He was a sort of famous actor before he even was a director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and you know he he worked when he needed to when he mm-hmm. needed the money. And he's but this, he's I, good too though. I think he's, he's really talented. Really, actor. really yeah, good. Uh, he's such a, a like iconic director you might even underrate him as an actor i think he's really good uh, me too yeah. and i love him in this and mm. peter falk said that um he says the best script he ever read and yeah. the funny thing about this feeling like a cassavetti's movie is it's a it's a visual flow that um it the movie's totally scripted yeah i know it's that not improvised. i know that yeah. and, and cassavetti's totally would improvise all, yeah. all kinds of shit and the way they talk to each other feels improvised because it's so kind of like, like yeah, mumbly yeah, yeah. and light on its feet it, it's so kind of like uh like okay you're him and you're him and you're in this situation go yeah and it's i think that's the rapport between Peter Falk and John Cassavetti is like the real life friendship Definitely. playing up because I think they were best friends in real life. Yeah, yeah. they were, and they were in a ton of movies together. Yeah. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Oh, God damn it. I don't shave. Did you know that? I don't want to take care of myself. I think if I don't take care of myself and I sit still and I don't move, maybe they'll forget about me. But then I'm, I'm 
scared of that, too, because I think maybe if I sit there too long, maybe when I want to move, I won't be able to move. You sound like you're ready for a straitjacket. I'm going to die. Come on. You're not going to die. It really, really works. So, um... Written and directed by Elaine May, and um, do you see the the uh, uh, after the so in the credits before that before it says written and directed by Elaine May, it's got the three actors. It's got you know John Cassavetes, Peter Falk, name of the movie, Mikey and Nikki. Then like, with Ned Beatty, then fourth credit, visual consultant Anthea Silbert. Oh wow! Yeah, so that is Paul... is that Silbert Richard Silbert well, uh, uh, relation? So Richard Silbert's brother Paul Silbert, who's also a famous production designer, the both of the Silver brothers, and and Thea was married to Paul for a time. Oh wow! Uh, and you know who else? And she was involved in the Mike Nichols movies too. She had credits like where she would be like a visual consultant. Uh, I think on Virginia Woolf, her name was on it, mm, and then okay. Richard Silbert, who would have been her brother-in-law, was right after it. Um, but. What was I getting at? Oh, where Anthea Silbert's name popped up before in this podcast. Later in her career, she became a producer and produced many movies with Goldie Hawn. Oh, hello. Including Swing Shift. And she she was the producer that basically, like, hacked Demi's shit to bits. Wow. Yeah, and she, it's, she, yeah she took Goldie's side because they were pals and she fucked the movie. Yeah, and, you know, that would have been... I think that they thought that was the more commercial move. The movie flopped. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's just a... I wasn't expecting those... That kind of synchronicity. Like, it was a surprise. the way people fit together sometimes. Yeah, and, that's... A, yeah. I had no idea that that, that, that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is Paramount. So... Yep. Um, so what w- what I'm trying to figure out about this movie, aside from the fact that this, the story is, is, is simple, but it's really effective... Um, um, Nikki is John Cassavetes. He's holed up in a hotel room because he hears there's a contract on on his life. Starts right, like, already frantic. Already frantic. Gangbusters, yeah. Yeah, He's stolen money from a crime boss, and uh, he calls Mikey and says, you got to get me out of here. And uh, come to the corner of this street and that street. And it throws a perfectly good bottle of J&B scotch out the window, yeah, by the I, way. Yeah, he throws several things out the window, yeah, yeah. I think, to get Mikey's attention, right? Right, because he didn't yeah. want to tell him exactly where he was. Uh, which is interesting, because later on you find out that Mikey is with the crime well, bosses, sort of setting him up. That's a thing, too, I wanted to note. And this is something I heard on a podcast. Somebody, somebody uh, uh, postulated this theory, and of course I listen to a different podcast all the time, so I don't remember exactly who it is. So my credit is muddled. I'm sorry about that. But the idea that I am stealing right now <laughs> is the theory that Elaine May's movies are all about one side of a couple conspiring against another, the other side of it mm. to one extent or another. Certainly true of the first two movies we saw. Certainly true of this. True less, but still true in Ishtar. I want to talk about it in terms of primary colors. I mean, we didn't direct, but we can, we'll do that when we get there. Yeah. But, that's definitely that's what a this really movie interesting is. point. Yeah, that, that hadn't crossed my mind. But it's, that's uh... that this movie has that too because like they are kind of framed as a couple, even though they're like friends, you know. But they're like they're so codependent on each other, it almost feels like a romantic relationship at certain it, times. It you does, know? it does. Yeah, it does feel like they're old, an old married couple mm-hmm. almost. But they grew up together. Yeah, yeah. There's the backstory about um, about um, oh, Nikki's like so he he's so um. 
He's so manic. Manic Cassavetes yeah. really plays up this completely, this mania. Because he, he feels like he's going to die. Right. So Mikey's trying to get him to sit in this one diner long enough for Ned Beatty to ring the phone three times. Right, because Ned's the assassin. Right, right. Ned's the assassin. Mr. Luthor. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Ned Beatty, God. I know, so we great. love him. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to get, there's something, jeez, uh, what was I trying to even, I don't want to even get too off track because I could talk about Ned Beatty all day long. No, I know. Well, uh, I was talking yeah, and about we will, Nikki. we'll get to it. Yeah, but Nikki, something else Nikki being manicky where, um, where he just won't sit still, so right. so he's dragging Mikey around on a bus and he's they go to the it cemetery. It feels like he's picking a fight with mom. everybody. You yeah, know? And yeah. It's like, he doesn't always, have anything to lose. And, yeah, he's just fucking with the bus driver. Yeah. And Emmett Walsh is the bus driver. We'll open the door and let the passengers on. Screw you! Open the door and let the passengers on, or I'll break your neck. And they go to a bar, like a black, like a black bar, and he ends up like being a huge asshole to these guys. Yeah. yeah. Hi, how are you? Mel, this is wow. What is your name? Is your name Mel? My name is Mel. What's your last name? He gave me a dime. I was gonna make a call. His friend is in the booth. He gave me a dime, and he bought me a drink. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello. You gave her a dime, right? So I owe you a dime, because this is my old lady. Okay. What do you mean, she's old lady? She's not old. Bye. That old black man. Man, I'm trying to give you a break. We listen to me. Look in the phone book. Look in the phone book. Look in the phone book. Just turn around. Now, everybody in here knows you the man, so why don't you leave? I mean, we might be black, but we ain't dumb. But how come you're black? What the what fuck the kind fuck of a line is that? Is that? that was really like, yeah. like a death wish. Yeah, what yeah. The f- and he did have a death wish because he figured I might as well get it out of the way on my own terms. It sort, sort of seems that's that why way. I'm, yeah. That's why I'm picking a fight with everybody. Yeah, and yeah. eventually the only person he can really ultimately pick a fight with is Mikey, and, they, and he does terrible things to him. He throws his, throws his watch on the ground, smashes it, and he's like, that, that watch was from my dad. You know, this is something that who, means who, something who, to me. John Cassavetti is new. They knew each other yeah, from when they were yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassavetti's talking about Mikey's brother. Uh, who nobody, uh, yeah, who yeah. Died uh, and, and uh, you know, talking about their parents, their moms. He wants to go to the cemetery to see his mom. He doesn't even, it's dark. He doesn't even know where a gravestone is. And it's and it's just, it's, gut, it's a gut-wrenching film in a lot of ways. It's past midnight. The gates will be closed. We'll climb over. When did we ever use a gate to get into a cemetery? What do you mean, when did we ever? You make it sound Getting like off. we're cemetery freaks. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So yeah, the, good. The, 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 the dialogue between them is, is really killer. And I, and I love that it is not... I can't, get, I can't believe that it's not improvised somewhere. But maybe... It's just the way they managed to frame it. And, you know, Elaine May was writing this movie all the way back in her Compass Players days, before Nichols and May. I did not know that. I guess. And I heard this also on a podcast where it said, basically, uh, she wrote it as like a, in its initial form, it was like a brief, like one act play almost, where Mm -hmm. it's like... The Compass players just need extra material in case we run out and need to put on a show for 15 minutes. And, get, you know, and it was just this little sketch almost. Right. But it was like, okay, I know the, and I don't know who the actors even were. It wasn't Cassavetes and Falk. It was some actors in the Compass players. It was like, okay, they can play gangsters pretty well. 
let's write a gangster thing with two guys and it's all dialogue. And then it, the genus 20 years, it became this. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was reading that um, that she drew on 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 some childhood things where she said, you know, her, her family were kind of. I think her dad was like a bookmaker or something yeah. in Philadelphia, and this movie takes place in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I thought it took place in New York, but no, I guess I it was too. shot in Philly. There, yeah, New York and Philly have. They a look similar. Very similar. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and 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 what was I going to say that the um, the thing? What were we talking about this movie? How much footage she shot? Yeah, did I read somewhere? And I don't know how accurate this is because it sounds insane, but they I read somewhere that they've shot more film for this movie than any other movie like, yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I it, read, the movie's uh, not long. More, it's more than Gone with the Wind, which would make... Double would, Gone with the Wind. Yeah, which double. would quantify that really hairy. You know, Gone with the Wind, how long is that movie? This movie is like half as long. Uh, yeah, somebody yeah. pointed out that the continuity... Uh, is jarring because there's so many editors' hands in it. She mm. um, she shot so much shit that uh, the pencil's in one hand, then it's in the other, and you know it's just little stupid shit like that. I didn't now, even notice. I, did, I didn't even I, notice. I did see a crew member in in, uh, in a reflection in the hotel scene right in the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, I saw a guy there. Uh, maybe the cameraman. Yeah, somehow caught himself in the mirror, and and they just it's in there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, know? you know that's a. Uh... Not what Elaine May was concerned about, I think. She was really exactly. concerned about the dialogue. And exactly. The, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And there's a famous story where um, where Mikey and Nikki leave the scene, leave the room, and nothing happens for a while. So a cameraman yells, cut. And she gets bugged with him. What are you yelling, cut, on my set right, for? You know, yeah. It's like out of the stuntman. You know? uh, he said, well, they, they left. And she said, yeah, but they might come back. Right. Well, that's the, yeah, I, I had also heard she liked to just keep the camera on. Like, that was a big part of it. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, Instead yeah. of cutting, she just liked, you know, we'll go from take to take, but we'll just keep the camera on. But in that case also reminds happens. me of a, of a Groucho Marx story about W.C. Fields where he and Groucho went to his house and, uh, and, and, and W.C. Fields showed him his attic and he has cases of booze up there. And Groucho's like, Bill, you know, what are you doing? I mean, prohibition's over. He said, yeah, but it might come back. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's planning for it. Yeah. Which is like, that sounds like something W.C. Fields would say in a movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His whole life is a movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that just somehow that hit, that struck me. They might come back. Yeah. Um, that was really, you know, Emmett Walsh, one of the lines I love from him, just off topic, is in The Jerk. He's the... He's the guy who just sticks his finger in the phone book and goes, Johnson, Maven R, sounds like a typical bastard. <laughs> he's a guy and who And then will later he apologizes in the he, movie. He's gone straight. And, you yeah, know. He's a, an actor who will regularly get, you know, in, he'll be in a lot of movies for a very small amount of screen time, yet still be super memorable. Mm-hmm. Slapshot, yeah. for example, yeah, is another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He, he's never like a huge... Huge character, but he's all, always kills it. His biggest role, just in terms of the screen time, is probably uh, Cohen Brothers' Blood Simple. Yeah, Blood Simple. Which I was going to say. very good movie. I was yeah, going to say that. Their first he, movie, yeah. Yeah, he's very prominent. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so the, you know, they, because... Because Mikey is trying to set him up with Ned. But we and, know that really early in the movie. Yeah, it and Nikki won't sit still. So Nikki says, we're going to go see this girl. And this is a brutal scene, too, where he goes and to it, see yeah, this girl yeah. that he knows. Nellie um, is her name, which I didn't even realize she had a name until looking at the credits. They just yeah. call her the girl. She likes me. She won't do anything for me. Sure she likes me. She likes you. 
She likes everybody. I heard that from 20 guys. You go ahead. Don't take any bullshit. Put it down on the couch and tell her what to do. And she's really—it's uh, a heartbreaking. Uh, the, the actress I don't didn't know. Her name is Carol Grace. Is she's that She's unbelievably name. Yeah. good. In she's this. very she's good. Just, uh, striking looking, and um, and Cassavetes is just this—you know—again, he just. Mikey is trying to talk to her about like the news. So you like the news, huh? I like to know what's happening. No, that's, uh, that's unusual. Because you know that, uh, most pretty girls, uh, they don't have a brain in their head. I mean, most pretty girls, they don't care about, uh, anything that's happening around them, except that they want to have a good time. Isn't it so? Yes, I, I guess most girls are pretty dumb. It makes it nice when they're smart and pretty. Cassavetes is just like, just, nah, 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 nah. Like, not about, that's yeah. That's not what we're here for, trying yeah. to, And they're, like, trying to, like, Fuck you, Mikey. Go come get out of yeah, here. Yeah, Mikey's like, trying to humanize her a little bit, and he, you know, and and uh, and Nikki's not having any of it. And you know, the thing, I'll, you know, you're you're with your friend, and it's like, oh, we're gonna go see a girl. I figured there would be two girls there. Right, yeah, there's only and, one. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you said, it's a long master shot. Another one. Where just Nikki's like in the on, Nikki's on the couch with a girl, and Mikey's off in the kitchen in a different light. Uh, yeah, it's the, red. It's the landlord, red. landlord has mm-hmm. strikes me that, that red, the, yeah, the exactly. Way the lighting with a with a you're with his, totally uh, correct uh, tenant, and Mikey has to sit on the garbage can in the kitchen, and, and he's just like kind of waiting around, and then it's really uncomfortable. John Cassavetes like does a thing. Which is like it's such a small little like line moment, but it's so indicative of like who Nikki is. Where it's like Nelly's like not getting into it, and, and he's like, "Oh, what do you want him to leave?" Yeah, yeah, I'll get rid of him. And he gets up, he goes over to Nikki, talks to him for a second, or to Mikey, talks to him for a second, and then send Mikey sends Mikey in there. After yeah. said, no, I'll get rid of him. And then he's fucking runs away and sends Mikey in. And does the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she she kind of loses it and bites Mikey well, in the Mikey, lip. Yeah, Mikey ends up kind of like, he's he ends up like not... He ends up being kind of creepy and like pressing it too yeah, much. Well, yeah, he, he's told but a, he's, he's told the, a lie. Well, yeah, that's the a, thing. Yeah, yeah he just, he thought that that uh you know she was a, a sex worker, a prostitute. She thought, didn't he? I think he yeah, thought I that think it was he for did. Sale. I think he yeah. just thought, okay, this is this is cool. We're I think shut he up. He said and, that uh, earlier yeah. or later in the movie. He just assumed. You know, and and uh, and 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 it kind of blows up when Mikey just finally says, "Fuck off, will you? You mad at me? Come on, don't be mad at me." You got all the friends. You got all the money. Did you have to do that to me in front of some dumb bitch to prove you got all the women? I didn't know that was going to happen. Honest to God, she screws anyone. But me. Everybody but me. Mikey, is that my fault? Don't get mad at me because some dumb hooker turned you down. She's your girl. She's not a hooker. You don't pay for that. Mikey, she's a psycho. You got you to gotta tell her you love her. You give her a few bucks, you tell her
tell her it's a present. I thought this was gonna make it interesting for you. Bullshit. You know what would happen. Honest to God, Mikey, I, I didn't. I, I wouldn't do anything to hurt you on purpose. I, I wouldn't do anything to make you look bad. You, you're like my family. I love you. Hey. I think you'd make your family look bad on purpose. Because I don't think you love anyone but you. Mikey just gets, gets fed up with him, but then Nicky's uh, froze the Nicky's uh, he's um, he's like he's he's got this death wish, but he keeps hitting Mikey up to save me, save right. me, save me, you know. And you think like that uh, cumulative exhaustion of the relationship is probably a lot of why he sold Mike uh, Nicky out in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, just kind of be- because you know it so early. There's a lot of, like, and this is where Peter Falk gives such a good performance. You can see, like, the ups and downs of, like, how am I feeling about the fact that I sold him out at any given moment? And sometimes the guilt is real intense. Other times he's like, fuck this guy. Yeah, and it's exactly. And it's all below the surface. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great performance. Yeah, I think, it I think really it's even is. better than Cassavetti's performance. He's, he really fucking is. kills it, Peter Falk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really is. He's like a ping pong ball in a, in, in a wind tunnel a lot of times. He's mm-hmm. up and down and around and... And, and, you know, at some point, this has got to come to, uh, uh, to a head. Um, Nikki goes back. They break up, kind of. They separate. Uh, Nikki goes back to his wife, his Joyce Van Patten. Yeah, and, yeah very and briefly, great, she's great, in there. Her yeah. mom's there, some some. And she even actors. says, I think when Mikey tells, or rather, I keep doing this, when Nikki tells <laughs> uh, his wife, Jan, like, oh, I'm in trouble, what does she say? Why don't you get a hold of Mikey? He'll help you. The yeah. first thing she I, says, I mean, yeah. she doesn't know he's already done that. Unbelievable, yeah. He's already done that and, and blown it with him. There's another scene right around that time where Cassavetes just goes to a, inexplicably, it's the middle of the night, and it's a corner, like a little corner store. You got any ice cream? No ice cream. We got egg cream, soda, popsicles, magazines. Candy, cigarettes, just what you see. What kind of a candy store is this you don't have ice cream? <laughs> it's a candy store without ice cream. Just what you see. <laughs> We're the kind of candy store that doesn't sell ice cream. <laughs> That's a great scene. Yeah. Or this another scene where they're just interacting with like people who are just, you know, regular people in the world and they're just like weird is uh the scene in the beginning where mikey is at the diner and does like flips out over the half and half give me some milk and some cream and separate cartons to go just got milk no cream not to go what are you putting the coffee here you have any cream use these little bottles here all right give me 15 of those little bottles to go give me a couple of cartons of milk I uh, can't do that. We don't give these bottles to go. If you want coffee to go, I put the cream in it right here and I use the dispenser right back there, sir. All right, give me a carton of cream from the dispenser. How many coffees? Well, no coffees. Just fill up a carton of cream. can't do that. I wouldn't know what to charge you. Cream is for the coffee only. It's not for sale. Charge me for 15 coffees and give me the cream. 15 coffees? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that to me is like a Seinfeld scene. Or like, <laughs> well, we don't sell half and half, 
but you can mix it in with the thing. Yeah, but we don't sell it like this. It's it's such yeah, a side scene. To the point where he lunges over the counter and yeah. grabs a guy and like give me give me sixteen so coffees. Funny. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like five easy pieces. Okay, uh, I want you to make me a chicken salad sandwich and hold the chicken. You want me to hold the chicken? Yeah, I want you to hold it between your knees. <laughs> <laughs> or like when they're on the bus together. All he wants is toast, but they won't make toast. Yeah, like and then the, like when they're on the bus together and they're talking and just whatever, whatever. That's one of the best moments for Peter Falk as well. Is he, he says, "God, look at your hands. You got such big hands. You could have been a great piano player." And it's just like <laughs> these guys know each other. They love each other. There was something there once. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's such a fucking good movie. And I it, gave it five stars. I, it really yeah. is really it's really like, great, and it it like insinuates itself in your head because you watch it and you like it, but then four hours later you realize how much you like it. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. no, and it's very it's very multi layered because mm-hmm. you're yeah, it's just it's just the eternal struggle. Yeah, you know, um, you you've got. You've got people taking advantage of you because of your good nature mm-hmm. and bad-natured people. And, and Nicky's not a good-natured person. He's a he's kind of a bad person, but he needs help. Without that, that's the thing about that store scene. And he does love like Mikey. Yeah, he yeah, does. Like regardless of the fact that he uses him, he truly does have affection for him. I think. Yeah, he truly yeah. does. Yeah, I agree. You got big hands. You could have been a piano player with those hands. Every good boy does fine on his lines. And then F-A-C-E in between the lines. My sister played the piano. She taught me a little bit. And you remembered that. That's terrific. And in the store, he's just kind of like this little kid mm-hmm. who's unmoored and without without any direction and, and so mikey sort of gives him direction in the same way that and it's same elaine time trying to kill him. gave walter matthau direction when he was trying to kill her exactly see it's the same point. dynamic same thing yeah and um, and then you know when they get separated and, and nikki's back with his trying to get his wife to help him mikey goes mikey goes hooks up, up with ned, ned Beatty, yeah and so he and ned are driving around thinking they're going to find uh, so the <laughs> the scene where they <laughs> Wrong guy. they've got a they've got a guy in a in a in a tan trench coat that's him that's him and they're running him down and he falls down and then Mikey goes that's not him yeah I know. isn't that funny yeah <laughs> scared the shit out of some poor guy in the middle of the night just running from a car no that's not him do you notice and then they end up meeting the two gangster bosses Resnick and the other one whose character is Sid Fine. That's uh, William Hickey is one of them. Mm-hmm. And then Resnick is the legendary Sanford Meisner of the Meisner Technique, there the acting teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. I saw that. That's yeah. really cool. And I guess uh, Elaine May originally wanted to put Frank Yoblins, who was the head of Paramount, head of in Paramount. that role. Yeah, yeah. that would have been <laughs> Which funny. Is really funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, I can see why he wouldn't want to do that. Well, yeah. he was fine with it. It was Charlie Bluedorn, the head of Gulf Western, who said, you can't do that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. It was well, his that boss. Makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I don't know. Um, of course, you don't know the movie has any troubles until you get going later. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, they didn't know she was going to shoot so much footage and just go through all of right. this. Right, yeah. Heavy, also true. heavy yeah. wrangling. And the, I, the, she has a reputation for like, in the same way that Stanley Kubrick does, of just 
shoot stuff over and over until it's the way I want it. And and John Cassavetes does too. He he says like there's a quote from him where it's like the one thing I can't handle in a movie is when I'm bad in a scene. And even if you like it, I know when I'm bad and I'm going to redo it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And with both people pursuing their own individual ideas of perfection that hard with like money, it's going to mm-hmm. totally uh, 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 go out of hand. And I guess it did. Yeah, yeah. But it produced a great movie. Yeah, yeah. And you oh, know, I loved it. You know the cut of the movie that we watched, the one that exists today, wasn't released. In, no, it is hers. Oh, it, that's right. It was only released in 2019. That's right. Yeah, the, I don't know the original cut is. I don't know how it was and different. Was two, but, I read there were three cuts. I forgot. There was a there the cut they took, made when they took it away it, from her yeah. and released it. And then there was something, there was another cut after that what she gave, I guess she uh, released, uh, and I don't know if it ever got wide release, but it said she she screened a cut of it that was her director's cut in '86. Right. But that then she has changed it, and she's made a new update re- updated director's cut that was only came out in 2019. Yeah, and Criterion's all over yeah. it. Thank well, God for luckily, them. Luckily, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, they they know um, what's up. Yeah, the um and, and the ending it just it's just fucking horrible because you know M- Mikey goes. To his, to his wife, wife and his yeah. wife is a, is his wife is just she's she's like the perfect kind of wife. She knows she loves Mikey too, and she knows that his his job is you know, and she just she's like the perfect wife. Unfazed by the criminal aspect exactly. of any of this, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's just yeah. uh she's what Walter White wished Skylar would be. Yeah, 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 <laughs> to, yeah. to bring in another Breaking Bad yeah, reference. Yeah. Uh, it's more like The Sopranos. You it, know? Well, it is a little more like The Sopranos, yeah. but even Carmela has more inter- internal conflict about it than this lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she doesn't get a lot of screen That's time. That's true. But, That's true. This, but, but when it, the the character we get on screen. Yeah, and at the very end of the movie, uh, you know, Nikki finally comes to the house, and uh, Mikey's telling his wife, "Just blow him off, blowing him, telling him I'm not here." You know, she's he's whispering that to her. So it's and the did, other side of the door, and it's just uh, did she's. You, did you notice, like, right before Nick shows up, he's, like, talking to his... Or Mikey's talking to his wife, and his, he mentions his brother again? Did I ever tell you I had a brother, Izzy, who died? No, I don't think so. I don't remember. When did he die? Years ago. This happened when I was a kid. You enjoy hearing stories when I was... Well, when I was a kid... Sure, I do, honey. He's like, I didn't know you had a brother. Yeah, but Nikki did, right? Nikki did. Yeah, that's so right. It's like, that's and right. It's just every, I don't know. There's so many ups and downs with the character of Mikey. And he and Mikey has to ask her, "Do you like when I tell stories like this?" Because he had already said right. that she liked it, yeah, and, and yet right. obviously like, he's making that up. Yeah, which is like a uh, the heartbreak kid. Well, it was great, but you constantly need to be reassured. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, no, I like I like that. Yeah, I like it. I'm you're you're my husband. You know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. Yeah, yeah, she's, it's she's cool. chill. She's chill. But she's she, you know, she's um, she's she's trying to get rid of Nikki, and Nikki's at the door. The sun has finally come up, and um, and and Nikki's like, well, can I wait for him? Can I come in? Oh, I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling sick because Ned Beatty shows up in the car. And he's pounding on the door. He's kicking it in. And, and Mikey knows it's Mikey what's about knows to happen. what's yeah. about to happen. And he's pushing furniture up against the mm-hmm. door to keep him out. And um, Ned nails him. Yep. On the front porch. And then it, you wanted to know. You remember you didn't hear the last line you were yeah. saying. Uh, I took note of it. It was he says to his wife, "Why don't you go to bed?" So it's just like, yeah, wow. Just, See, that, yeah. I knew that line was. Uh, 
I knew that line was important. I just couldn't make out what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put uh, on subtitles. You know. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really a great great movie. Uh, I just love I love Cassavetti stuff. Like I've I watched Faces yeah. a bunch of times in a row. Uh, love Streams is one of my favorites uh, that he directed and starred in. It's not his story. Um, and this is not his story, and he's not directing either. No, like yeah, this said, is like just purely as an actor, but it fits in with his themes. <coughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. that's a that's a guy who I'm not super – I'm more familiar with him as an actor than a director, personally. Mm. So I need to watch more of those. We can maybe get an episode out of it. Yeah, maybe yeah. we could. I, I was almost going to buy the Blu-ray that has uh, all of his shit. Cool, um, cool. Because there's one, one of his movies I was looking for. Uh, TCM has a deal with Criterion, so they showed the very first Cassavetes movie, which was, he claimed to be completely improvised, and uh, whatever studio was releasing it said, you need to reshoot some of this, oh, because really? nothing happened, <laughs> and so they uh, he, he reshot it, and it's basically about a girl who uh, uh, hooks up with a white um, guy, and she's black, but she doesn't look black. And her black family. It's a really cool movie. Uh, what was it called? Colors. It was hmm. really cool. Yeah, um, and very raw and very yeah. shot shoestring budget. And it must have been like location. pre nineteen sixty, probably it or really right around early there. 60s, yeah, yeah. If it was nineteen sixty. It was Cassavetti's first movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's he, his his stuff is fantastic. Faces is one of my favorite movies of, of all time. Um, well, just wonderful. Now. Um, before we move on to another movie, we can we can get to the net of it all. Let's talk about Ned Beatty in yeah. this movie specifically, because he's very funny. He's <laughs> like the only time I've ever seen a hitman in a movie portrayed as just kind of this beleaguered sort of working class fucking goob. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not not getting the calls I used to, and that's a character that is not out. You know, the movie about Mikey and Nikki. This is a character that almost doesn't need to get these kind of touches it almost feels superfluous but it's so good it is the great little, yeah. the little details yeah. of like his haircut and his ill-fitting jacket and just his <laughs> he's constantly one step behind everybody yeah like, he's telling resnick look i don't, I don't want to have a misunderstanding with you uh i, I know i need a sale and uh i'm like all right i'm gonna check it out right now i'm gonna check it out right now is it all right? And he's and then, like, I'm not getting as many sales lately. <laughs> he even talks to Mikey about it when they're in the car together. He's like, I look like a schmuck. I only got about three, four guys that use me. I look worse because it was supposed to be easy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's, the, he's the, just complaining. The, yeah, the everyday the dilemmas of the Yeah, hit it's man. so good. Yeah, I, that's such a funny touch that really kills me. Of course, this was during Ned's, like, wonderful five-year run that also included your nashvilles your networks your superman uh uh uh, your 1940 1941 um as they say yeah he was really on fire (laughs) (laughs) he's so great yeah one of my favorite actors for sure yeah um did you see speaking of the nebedi character when he was driving by the movie theater that mikey and nikki were supposedly in the laughing policeman the laughing policeman bruce dern and walter matthau Matthau. Mm yeah the laughing policeman has seen the face of the killer it may be the last thing he'll ever see the 
laughing policeman. And what was a, the other movie? Was, there uh, were two movies. Yeah, uh, it was a ta- uh, Time of the Iron Hand, which uh, was some kind of... Uh, like a, a martial arts film, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was a triple feature, because actually That's underneath right. Laughing Policeman, there's in very small font something called Triple Irons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is. Yeah, and that was a, that was a Hong Kong uh, uh, martial arts movie. Which is uh, which is they're hilarious because they use they finally figured out that hitting a watermelon with a stick was a way to uh, to get uh, that sound ki- sure the kicks and the punches. Foley yeah, artists yeah. have been grateful for years, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, we love it and we recommend seeing it where, yeah. whichever way you can. A five star picture. It's on HBO Max. Criterion has it. Yeah. Uh, watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, and we're back. this one, another epic OMA. Yeah, this is uh, a great masterpiece. Movie. <laughs> this movie is, is, is special. Ishtar. Yeah. Telling the truth is a dangerous thing. Dangerous. Telling the truth can be dangerous. What? Danger. Telling the truth can be dangerous. Telling the truth can be dangerous business. Telling the truth can be dangerous business. Why? 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 Telling the truth can be dangerous business because if yourself, because you if don't you know t- why. Huh? Well, I'm just giving you what the idea is. Telling the truth can be dangerous business. If you don't know yourself, then you don't know why. Oh, is that brilliant? Telling the truth can be dangerous business. Honest and popular don't go hand in hand. If you admit that you can play the accordion, no one will hire you in a rock and roll band. But we can't sing, can sing our hearts out. And if we're lucky, we'll no neighbors complain. This movie, um, known, I think, to a lot of people, uh, it's one of the world's greatest. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah, it got it got some weird award, uh, a hasty pudding or something some, kind of yeah. award for being the. Worst I mean, it was movie an ever. enormous flop, and it, it also, you know, much like these other movies we talked about, it ran way over budget, and there was controversy about this and that, and etc. 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 So I think almost like people were. Uh, they had it out for this movie before it even was released, right? You yeah, know? yeah, and everybody's blaming each other for everything, and the yep. studio probably got part of the blame for mm-hmm. for leaking bad press. Just there's also like I have a working theory about just is you know probably just a little bit old fashioned sexism, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. They, they yeah. just uh, didn't want a female director to to get to succeed. I agree. I was telling you, I think you that's that all that, over her career, actually. Yeah. You know? I was telling you that when you watch this on Prime, they have an X-ray feature that is mostly IMDb clips and and, and so there's 60 trivia entries, and it talks about how Warren Beatty produced agreed to produce this movie to uh, to give Elaine May a project. To, so so that she could tell the world that she was a real film director because she hadn't directed At, since my, it's been a long time what, six uh, no, eleven years since yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and uh, he kind of regretted it uh, Dustin yeah. Hoffman said he had misgivings about it but he also wanted to do a solid for Elaine because she basically fixed Tootsie. rewrote Tootsie yeah. and she also rewrote Reds for Warren Beatty exactly. so they were both kind of trying to pay her back were, but yeah. then once they got to the desert and things got hard they both kind of were assholes yeah. Yeah, 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 but she uh, she would leave like um, uh, there's a story about how the uh, how the Moroccan voice looping uh, how Warren Beatty had to do all of that in the studio. Yeah, she just split. 
So, yeah, it was a lot. That's the other thing. Like, I don't remember if it was Warren Beatty or Dustin Hoffman, but one of them was like, has a quote from that time where like, she just doesn't do anything. Like, we need <laughs> we need her to direct the movie. You know, like, she sits there all day. Which I mean, I don't. I, that I don't. I don't know how true that is, but it does seem kind of indicative of the fact that she does just like the, like to let the camera roll. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. That improvisational style. You she know, she comes from the, improv. Uh, yeah, yeah, let the movie make itself. Right. Yeah, a little of, bit. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and not not that Warren Beatty and and uh, and Dustin Hoffman even. I mean, I don't think Dustin Hoffman's ever directed a movie, but he certainly that I know he of. certainly has had his hand in how movies get made like crazy. Sure, we were talking sure. about Marathon Man. Yeah, sure. You know? mm. And Beatty, you know, at this point, already was a director, an right. Oscar-winning director, and he developed the reputation of. Whenever he acts in movies that he doesn't direct in, he kind of tries to become the director anyway. Mm-hmm. So he he mm-hmm. had already had that reputation and would do nothing, you know, to abate it, you know, at all. And right, right, this right. Time. Yeah, you know, uh, directors go in with that, like Barry Levinson with Bugsy. They go in knowing that. Yeah, and they work it to work it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, really. Uh... A conflict that I think a lot of people were preparing to not like this movie before it even came out, basically. Yeah. Um, and there, there's the famous Far Side cartoon, you know, the Gary Larson <laughs> Far. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, to say yeah, Hell's yeah. Video Store, where it's just all Ishtar. <laughs> it is really... And he said he saw it on a plane. He'd never seen the movie when he made the cartoon. He right, saw it yeah, on a and plane, he thought it was funny. And he said, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And he said, I think that's one... The one cartoon, cartoon I've regretted many, that's but so he said funny. that's the one I really felt like I needed to apologize for, <laughs> for doing. <laughs> well, so now, like the actual movie, um, another one where Elaine May's cut is different from the theatrical cut, but what's kind of unique about it is it the director's cut is shorter. By that's two minutes. Yeah, and the one that I watched on Amazon was actually the director's cut, so I don't know what was removed, but that's the one that I right, watched. Right, right. I, I I watched it on on uh, on Prime as well, and I couldn't tell you what was what was missing. No, I mean, well, who knows? So what exi- yeah. you know, uh, So the premise is that, is that Dustin Dustin Hoffman is a bad lounge pianist who writes his own songs. Uh, uh, it's a really funny scene where he's 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 written a song. For an eighty-something couple that are yeah. celebrating their fifty-third wedding anniversary, and they had been there a year before, and he decided to write a song for them. I'm leaving some love in my will. Yes, I'm leaving some love in my will. My life is nearly over, and time goes by so fast. And I wanted to give you a present to thank you for the past. Really morbid and awful, uh, and and of course Warren Beatty's in in the audience and writes like him a note saying, "I really, yeah, point. I really like that song because he's writing songs about ice cream. He's a good humor man. He's writing songs about ice cream, and his wife, um, who is, uh, I wrote it down." Uh, Tess Harper. Tess Harper. Yeah, yeah. Tess Harper. she just she just is like I, talk about a mistake in marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you that's know, right. There's yeah, another that's mistake right. in marriage. Uh, Carol Kane does a better job with Dustin Hoffman. She doesn't leave him until a little bit later. Right, it wasn't as immediate. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this 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 Warren Beatty being in the restaurant seeing Dustin Hoffman turns them into this songwriting partner. Rogers and Clark. Rogers and Clark. <laughs> Daughter, 
And that happens like probably like 30 minutes into the movie because that's actually part of a flashback, an extended flashback. The beginning of the movie, it starts out on such a high note, which is just this montage of them trying to write a song. And it's like, (laughs) it's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. (laughs) Tell him the truth can be dangerous. And yeah, it's, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And every single one of those songs written by Paul Williams and Elaine May. Well, some of them, some of them, uh, if you get deep into the credits, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Bates, he did some of the musical uh, contributions. That's funny, yeah, 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 because the first credit just says songs by Elaine May and Paul Williams. Yeah, that, well, they, yeah. Got, they got the overarching that's credit. That's funny. When you dig into the back, and Dustin Hoffman has words of music by Warren Beatty wrote music to a couple of them, and Elaine wrote the lyrics to. <laughs> so yeah. funny, yeah. But, and, I mean, they're like nothing songs, like the, the, the blues song. Well, that, every <laughs> single one of them, like, kind of cracks me up. There's so And there's so many of them, and as the movie goes, that's a gag where anytime they hear, like, sort of a line that... that you know, sticks with them. They they start trying almost like Dewey Cox, the guiltiest charge, where they start to write a song out of it. Like, out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Hello, Morocco. You're more than a country. You're even a state of Starting over, Candace right, Bergen. Yeah, break, she's breaking thing, up yeah. with Bert in the deli, and she's writing a song in her so mind funny, about yeah. the breakup already. You know, before it's even over. It's like there's the line in Dewey Cox where it's uh. You know, he says, uh, I'm guilty as charged, and then kind of like, I'm guilty. And his wife goes, Don't you dare write a song right now, do we? <laughs> we love it. Oh, that's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And this is, this is just one of these great musical parody movies that, uh, it's just... And the, this, it, the movie starts out and it's like 34, even maybe 35 minutes of just these two idiots trying to be singers in New York. And so we don't even really know what the movie's about yet. Right, <laughs> right, we really right. don't. And Hoffman and, uh, and Beatty are standing outside a record store and, and it's the Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. And he said, you know the difference between Simon and Garfunkel and us? They have an agent. They have an agent. Yeah. You know what the that record store shot is really cool. They're looking at the Simon and Garfunkel greatest hits, and then on either side of that, you got Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA." But right. then below that is "True Stories," the Talking Heads yeah, album. that's right. Which is the soundtrack to the movie "True Stories," mm-hmm. which we will talk about one day. One day. Yeah. And uh, th- they've decided that they need to get an agent. So who's their agent? Jack Weston yeah. again, <laughs> playing a classic Jack Weston character. Yeah, CD Dumpy. You know, He's d- he was doing the same thing we were doing, which is just putting booze in his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets some two bookings one is in like the central america and one is in this fictional country of ishtar and they figure it's safer to go to ishtar he does give him good advice he says let me tell you what i told tony bennett sing songs people already know that way if they don't like it they'll still have something to applaud when they do this booking like uh, the show people really like it because they're just doing like classic standards um, and they they kind of got like some confidence going at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. They want to hear that Samori, but and, they you know, and the audience is just yelling shit out that they want to hear. Maya, listen to that hand. We're a hit. And it's expatriate kind of. Um, if you've ever been in a foreign country where uh, you're in a place that caters to Americans, like when I was in mm. Nicaragua, the uh, embassy store, it's like they want you to feel at home. So when you walk outside, you're in Nicaragua, but when you're in here, we're family. We're, this is a, right, yeah. all like the Olive Garden, one of those things. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's funny. really weird. When you're here, you're family. The side plot is that 
Um, they get to the airport. This is more the plot, not the. More the this is, well, this that's is true. just the movie. Uh, yeah. They get to the airport, and and uh, Beatty goes to get food and coffee, and uh, says, "Watch the luggage." And Hoffman gets talked into giving up his passport and his jacket and his suitcase to Isabel Johnny. Yep, Sh- character Shira Sell. Yeah, he looks like a man who's not afraid of adventure, perhaps even welcomes it. Your life is in danger, right? Yes. How did you know? I am a dead woman if I'm recognized, and I must get to Marrakesh today. You want my passport, right? Yes, and your jacket, and the contents of your suitcase in exchange for mine. It means my life. She, like, shows him her boobs in the airport to prove that she's a woman, because she's, like, she's dressed up like a man. <laughs> yeah, to and, hide her identity, and there's because she's, like, a, she's, a, she's a rebel against mm-hmm. the emir. Who, uh, who is who, you know a right wing puppet of the U.S. Sorry, a guy. Yeah, is is this is this Iran or Egypt? It's right around that time. Yeah, and that could have also been part of the reason why people didn't like it. I don't know. People, do people want to hear like kind of anti-American, anti-CIA commentary in that Reagan time? I don't yeah, know if they did. did. Did they get the humor in, yeah. in that? Because it's funny now. <laughs> it is funny now. Yeah, it's, a, it's what Charlie Wilson's War could have been if it wanted. Yes, to just go actually, out and, and this comedy. is like yes, that's a it is. Is actually this is a, Ishtar is like Charlie Wilson's War but good but good that's yeah. exactly and funny what it yeah. is yeah, yeah. it's you're yeah. totally right yeah and, and, and that hit me right away yeah, that's a good call that hit yeah me right I didn't away. even think of the comparison but that's exactly right and, yeah. and what gets me is is that um, because the, the where the CIA uh, is coming into it right then right? Yeah, yeah Charles Grodin hits him up in the hits, right. uh, hits Dustin Hoffman up in the hotel so uh, what are you doing here Jim I'm with the CIA interesting work it's okay it's a little rough right now because the communists are trying to instigate a coup against the emir and take over ishtar why until it works ready to get ishtar uh, tomorrow to get north africa why until it works every once in a while american comes over we ask him to keep his eyes and ears open for us and we pay him a little something You'd be surprised how many harmless conversations are really the first step toward recruiting agents for left-wing organizations. A guy comes up to you and he could, starts talking about the uh, poverty, the injustice in Ishtar, and there is poverty and injustice sure. in Ishtar. Of course. Uh, he could be sincere. He could be saying exactly what he means. Sure. Or he could be feeling you out. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. right. To see if he can dupe you into becoming an agent for a so-called people's movement. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say that you pay him a little something 10 or 50 a week is not much but you can't really put a price on democracy no no although uh 150 a week is a it's a start <laughs> really good casting of because he Reddit. had no passport so so warren goes to morocco to the shay Casablanca right, to, to start a solo yeah. act. Mm-hmm. There's an X through. Yeah, it <laughs> just says poster. Clark, right? Or, or no, it just says Rogers. <laughs> and he's trying to do this solo act. And um, that's when Charles Grodin hits hits on uh, on, on Dustin Hoffman. Right, and he and talks, says 150 bucks a week, right? And he talks about like, you know, you got to make sure that the left-wing organizations don't try to recruit you as a spy as a tactic to recruit him as a spy for the <laughs> yeah, CIA. Yeah, yeah. There's just this, and like... They already know. Uh, they, yeah. I think they already know that something happened in the airport, you know. They know he No, yeah, I think that's why he showed up. Yeah, yeah I think that's why yeah. he showed up. Yeah, you try to go to the embassy to get your passport replaced, and that's, like, an instant red mm-hmm. flag. Yeah, Charles Grodin is great. It's a typical really Charles funny, Grodin... Yeah. Uh, uh, stodgy pipe smoking, you know, suit uh, with not good intentions necessarily. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he uh, 
uh, yeah, he's trying to get like you know information from Dustin Hoffman, and like meantime, uh, like later on, Warren Beatty meets with Shira Cell in their room, and that's a whole thing. Yeah. So, uh, wh- and they were they were actually a couple in real life oh, at that point too. I, which it is makes sense weird. because yeah. if a woman is in a movie with Warren Beatty, she was probably in a couple with yeah, them at well, one point. Uh, Johnny, yeah. uh, Johnny, and and Elaine May did not get along. Oh, really? Red? No, no, it didn't. Uh, Warren wanted more screen time for her oh. because uh, she was the girlfriend. So there was a lot of tension there, um, but uh, the 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 thing about her is that her her brother uh, is working for an archaeologist, and they find an a ancient map, map yeah. and it's a very important map. It's a little the, the, like Raiders of the Lost Ark now. At yeah, this point. yeah, yeah. Or it's the future of the mm-hmm. Middle East and all this other stuff. Are you absolutely certain this is a map of Ishtar? I'm positive. I am proficient in seventh century Kufic. This map is incredible. It speaks of a time of upheaval when two messengers will appear in Ishtar, and through them, the poor and lowly will rise up, and the mighty will be humbled. It's uncanny, isn't it? It speaks of two messengers, and now we, too, have found it just as it foretold. Oh, don't be a fool, Holmes. Please. We are not two messengers. We're two archaeologists who found a map which, if it is authenticated, could start a holy war that would inflame the entire Middle East. Ishtar is on the brink of revolution now. Someone outside the tent. And so he escapes... Um, these bad uh, emir, you know, agents in mm. Hawaiian shirts. I also recognize two guys from Turkish intelligence. In the Hawaiian shirts? No, the Bermuda shorts. The ones in the Hawaiian shirts are tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's all really these different line. spies, like, kind of, like, all these different spies and, and agents just observing these two nobody is basically, yeah. yeah. So the brother gets killed because he they know he has the map, but they never find it. Mm-hmm. And you don't find out until later that uh, in the luggage swap and the jacket swap in the airport yeah. is that Dustin Hoffman's been wearing the map and the, the jacket time. the whole time. Yeah, so that, and they, no, they didn't know about later. it, yeah. Yeah, they didn't know it until later. So that's uh, the... The fate of the world is and hanging bo- on this, this fucking Both map. sides end up trying to kill these guys, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they both... It's they, just they're, they're, they're bad Lansingers are yeah. not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And they, yeah, that's, so they get, they're trapped in the desert, you know, because both sides sent them out there to die, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, both sides think that they're working with the other side. And it's another couple conspiring against each other bingo um, it, it doesn't play out exactly as much here because these two guys are mostly on the same page ultimately yeah, but there mostly. is like but Hoffman's with the CIA and doesn't tell him right away yeah. and then uh, and Beatty doesn't tell him that he's met met the girl there, yeah. he's gra- I love he's grabbing her going are these breasts right yeah <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. another thing trying to figure out uh, if he's a yeah that's right that's right <laughs> there's some lines in the beginning where he's like they like try to go to a bar and meet women and and Dustin Hoffman is like talking and he's just standing there like being a fucking frozen idiot you didn't have to leave with me now I spoiled a knot for you you gotta give yourself a break you've never been out with anyone but your wife yeah but you gotta have the looks Chuck I mean you walk into a place like that and girls just want you you know you got that kind of face kind of mean looking but with character the way you walk you can only do that with a small body did you ever hear of a big sports car? 
I mean, if I look like you. Oh, you are so idealized. Which, coming from Warren Beatty, is very funny. Completely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, he it's, said, it's if it's I so look like, like you, yeah. I look We're talking to Dustin Hoffman, right? And it's so funny. You know, you, you, you need a small body to walk like that, man. You're, you're smooth. And Dustin Hoffman's nickname. Hawk. It's short for the Hawk. It's a little incident with a gang. You're lucky. Uh, shot. The name just, 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 just stuck. The Hawk. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. That's very funny. Uh, and Ugh. so the shit kind of hits a fan, uh, but Hoffman, but that's because the, the CIA yeah. thing, got, goes to Morocco right in the middle of the gig and starts singing That's Amore, and the whole audience gets into it, and that's where they start to, they, they're, they're back together, and they start to, um, but but she's told him to go to the, to the to, told Warren Beatty to, to go, go to the camel market. Buy a blind camel. And buy a blind camel. And then they end up with like this blind camel. And the, the guy who's selling it to him, yeah, go to Mohammed, which is also kind of a joke because he goes there. And I don't even know if this is racist or if it's a joke or what it is, but everybody's name is Mohammed. Like, and they and all turn around yeah. and everything. He's looking for Mohammed. Yeah. It, it, it's... Yeah, it's, it's funny. It, I don't it know. It's kind funny, of but it's, up. Yeah, yeah, it is funny. It's sort of like the Smith, you know, right, Jones, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, it's racist. I guess. I don't know. I guess, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But it, it was like kind of a, a dated joke. Yeah. And the yeah. other joke that's dated is with the... Uh, <laughs> And this that's still funny is with the arms dealer auction, the Australian guy, <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman is speaking this like fake dialect. Australian guy says they're Arabs and they don't speak, don't speak Arab and they don't speak the Berber dialect. Yeah, yeah the, and then he does this like Apu from the Simpsons accent, and that's you know, that's a little rough, you know. <laughs> but it's I mean it's still kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta you're in you're in trouble there and. and and uh, yeah, they're in the middle of the desert, and they they uh, they stumble upon kind of this this contingent of and it, guys looking to buy guns. Sell, well, they're trying to sell the the they're buying the guns to take down the emir, right? right That's exactly. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. they're rebels. These guys so are. It's uh, it's it's her it's her crowd, right? But that's the one thing though. In the movie, I will say, in the middle. And like it does kind of just get sort of plotty and like who's with who and what's going on exactly, but it's mm-hmm. kind of but you know and that's like one of the reasons I gave it four and a half as opposed to five gotcha. because I think it's pretty perfect. It just there's like a little bit in the middle where it's kind of sweaty is the word I would use, <laughs> but once they're out in the desert, it really coalesces again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, both sides are playing them, and uh, Charles Grodham sends them out there to die, basically. And, and so she, does Shira Sell. Yeah, like, right, because do. she gives Warren Beatty this necklace saying, oh, these beads glow at night, and so you can follow your trail, just drop one, and, that, and they don't glow. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at each other. They're parched and about to die. There's no wind in the desert. Uh, yeah, no <laughs> wind in the desert. Uh, and the camel is just kind of hanging out, and... And uh, they they realize that they've been played by both sides, and um, that's when the helicopter shows up. Right. And they're still writing songs yeah. as it comes to it. Water. My lips are on fire. With my desire for you. Good song. So let me drink some water. Let me drink the wine. If you're not my daughter, will you still be mine? <laughs> 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 
and Warren Beatty uh, yeah, singing these lyrics. All the folks that don't have money, are they poor? Oh, well, sure. Good rhyme. But that's not poverty, baby. That's not the thought of the have-not blues. Take it. They have not got soles on the shoes, but I have not got you. Yeah. Then Dustin Hoffman's going, this is some of our best work. You got pencil? Come on now, Lyle. Get a pencil. Yeah, we, 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 uh, Later on, he says, we didn't need a pencil. Because <laughs> they're still singing yeah, the blues sure. song. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. So Charles Grodin is on a microphone saying to the helicopter pilot, okay, you know, take them down. And, of course, they've got all these weapons yeah. from from uh, from selling them, from auctioning them off. They've got a whole stash okay. of fucking now grenade launchers and machine guns. Isn't this amazing? Nothing ever happened to us. Willow left me, played a couple of clubs. Nothing to write home about. Right. Now we're going to die in the desert shooting helicopters. That ain't poverty. <laughs> <laughs> and so the helicopter pilot's like, holy shit, they're shooting at yeah. us. Yeah. Okay, okay, withdraw. Um, he's going to send in uh, like a Blackhawk, like an attack helicopter or, or something. Not a Blackhawk, but one whatever of those. it would be. Yeah, a yeah. gunship, as they call it. A gunship, yeah. And uh, so two helicopters come back. Yeah. And by then... Isabel and the and the young the uh, the guy Abdul who was their guide in the city he was the just kind of showed city. up yeah. yeah he's got the jeep he they finally find them right at the right time and so all four of them start shooting at these helicopters and uh, they're like okay this isn't covert anymore no That's yeah what the, uh, and Charles Grodin's got his head like yeah. he's like looking down <laughs> yeah, okay get out of there and Charles Grodin's like okay get out of there get out of there and then he has a great scene where he's on three different phones the best. yeah, yeah the, so a, funny. the agent. Jack Weston is busting his balls they, and making a deal. Jack Weston's got world. the math. They sent it, it to his yeah, all, yeah, so yeah. he's you know making he's, the deal. And now. Marty, if we agree to your terms, will we get the map? I don't know anything about a map, but if anything should happen to my clients, the map is up for grabs. They know who has it, but they don't know where he is. Here's the deal: one. Social reforms and Ishtar is dictated by Shira Assel. Right. Two, an immediate live in-concert album for Rogers and Clark at the Shea Casablanca to be financed and promoted worldwide by you. Yeah. <laughs> and this whole thing, he's on the phone with Jack, and this scene specifically is like one of the highlights of the movie, is this like flustered three phones, Charles Grodin, where... No problem. Marty... Let's work together as agents, Jim. My pleasure. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. It's a disaster. <laughs> and then he, he picks it's on up, the red phone, which is presumably Reagan, who is in the shot. There's a Reagan photo, like framing. Yeah, him, yeah. he's presumably uh, talking to Reagan at the end. Yeah. yeah. Sir, we did not shoot at two Americans in the desert. We did not. Who told you that? Secretary of State. Well, how would he know? Well, let me look into it. I'm going to look into it right away. I'll get right back to you. But it cuts to the, the back at the Shea Casablanca, and it's totally packed with like army guys and a, like the general. A yeah, general yeah, that yeah. Presumably they were under orders to go. Yeah, and the MPs are yelling at him to applaud. <laughs> yeah. <and>, you know, <laughs> the and general then, just like, I can't fucking believe it. Meantime, Grodin's talking like. They wrote the music and the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. And Isabel is there, and she's cool now. And she's like. I think they're wonderful. 
everything it's such is just a good resolved. line. Yeah, yeah everything is just resolved, and they do a medley of their hits. Telling the truth um, can be dangerous business. Yeah, and you know, I make a I make a point of looking at music, um, looking at actors playing instruments, mm-hmm. and they made a point. It's whoever did this, the coordinator said, okay, Dustin Hoffman's playing bongos. This one's high and this one's low. And they oh, they do funny. it. They yeah. do it. They huh. do it right. Even though Dustin's not necessarily he's playing on the beat, but it's not the kind of bongo part. Anyway, they they nail it. Cool. Which I appreciate. Um speaking of I, the, yeah, speaking of the music, uh we talked about the songs, the score, which there's not a lot of score, but the sort of a it was Dave Grusin yeah, did the score. Buddy yeah, Dave, our buddy yeah. Dave. And then uh, Paul Williams, like you're saying, Paul Williams and Elaine May get song credits, and a couple of songs are are, are listed as being Warren Beatty and Dustin. Never Hoffman. released the soundtrack. So yeah. we can't we can't listen to these they songs. They never did. Yeah, I no, thought they never did. Did. I thought they had one there, but uh nope. it never came out. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they they had the soundtrack listed in the credits, but it was never released. My favorite song title is uh, "That a Lawnmower Can Do All That." <laughs> I don't even know what song that I is don't know in the what movie it is either. That's so funny. But I love the title. It's so great. <laughs> well, I, as much as this movie was was um, was maligned and and uh, disregarded and discarded, Ooh. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I, I love loved a good it a lot too. Music um, I like. The, there's you know the a couple other just a line from the beginning that we missed but I want to talk about it is after their girlfriends both left them and like uh, Dustin Hoffman's about to like jump off the roof and Warren Beatty oh, God, Warren Beatty that. tells him like it takes a lot of nerve to have nothing at your age don't you understand that yeah most guys would be ashamed but you've got the guts to just say the hell with it you say that you'd rather have nothing than settle for less understand. <laughs> Great stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love Warren Beatty. He's a he's a underrated comedic actor. The fa- yeah, and the fact that this came out at the time that Beatty and Hoffman were both like thought of as pretty heavy duty, serious like you know actors, and then yeah, they just behave like total idiots. A lot in this movie. of star power. Yeah, yeah, and they played complete morons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so much fun. Good movie. Uh, all right, and it slowly built up a cult reputation. I think the last few years, like they released a Blu-ray of it. Uh, I mean, it was back in 2011. It was a while ago, but I think it's been kind of re- people like it now, maybe more. Yeah, than they yeah, did. yeah. Well, after hundreds of movies that aren't as funny, or or uh, you know, they don't movies movies that take risk like this. People don't make them like that anymore. Yeah, you know? no, that's true. They make a lot less. They of them. probably wouldn't have made it originally had Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman not sort of an initially stood by it. stood yeah. by it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's take a break. One more to go. Yep, we'll be back. Telling the truth can be dangerous business Honest and popular don't go hand in hand If you admit that you can play the accordion No one will hire you in a rock and roll band All right, we're back. Cool, and we're talking about the fifth movie today. Uh, It's... Not uh, directed by Elaine May, because, again, she only made four, but this movie was made by her old comedy partner and our previous subject, Mike Nichols, uh, and written by Elaine May, which she got an Oscar nomination for it. Did I say the name of the movie? Probably not. The movie is Primary Colors. Uh, Yep.
this is based on a book by Anonymous. Anonymous, who's uh, actually Joe Klein. Joe Klein uh, from uh, Newsweek. Time Magazine yeah, or Time Magazine. Yep. He, uh, he waited about seven months before Oh, no, I guess he, it was Newsweek, but he also Newsweek, wrote for Time yeah. later. Um, he, he waited until seven months to, to reveal that. But uh, it, ostensibly, it's about the Clinton campaign, but it's a, it's a fictionalized— It uses a, a fictional name, yeah. Yeah, it's a fictionalized uh, presidential campaign of a Southern governor— Played brilliantly by John Travolta. Yeah, we were Emma just, Thompson, as if she's Hillary, man, she nails it. Fake that. Hillary, she's yeah. so good. And you know, it's funny, Travolta said, like, I mean, he stated the obvious, and he's like, yeah, I based my performance on, quote, several different presidents, but mostly Clinton. Emma Thompson is like, no, my performance is not based on Hillary Clinton, but someone else entirely, or something like that. She won't, I mean, it was very I, I don't think, it. I don't think, I don't think anybody could pin that. Well, but, but because, I mean, the source Hillary. material is, is based on Hillary Clinton, so it doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. Matter yeah. how you're playing. That's it. right. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, and she does look a little like her. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they so wish her I hair was longer. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the point. They're both um, excellent. They're both really good um, as these like complicated figures who you alternately admire and revile throughout the movie. And mm-hmm. I think um, it does. I mean, I, I've worked in politics. I've spent a few years working on campaigns, and it accurately captures that like both the like what Billy Bob Thornton calls true believerism and also like the, the sort of fatigue of why am I doing this for these people? Mm, like it, yeah. both sides of that coin. It's, I love this movie because of how it, it feels, you know, like, and, and for very specific reason. I don't know the, the yeah. campaign of it all. Yeah. Like, I, I identify I, with Henry, the, the main protagonist a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And who he, he's excellent. Yeah. This. And um, that's the British actor, Adrian Lester, who I've not, I don't know, but I always think of him as Henry. It's an iconic performance. Yeah. He plays a grandson of a, of a, of a previously famous black politician. And of course, that all the white people that he meets. Oh, I love all the white liberals. Revere yeah, him. They love yeah, that. Yeah. 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 They just revere him. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's very democratic in, yeah. in that and he, sense. And this too. guy, Henry, who is based on George, like sort of a George Stephanopoulos. Based, I mean, although George Stephanopoulos is obviously white, but that's sort of, I guess, where the inspiration came from. Yeah, yeah. the positioning. Uh, uh, and Mara Tierney, I've always loved her. The best. And I wish she uh, had done lots and lots and, and lots I've, more movies. I've talked, uh, I certainly told you, I don't, I've probably mentioned it on mic before, but how I think the best sitcom of the 90s is News Radio. Mm-hmm. She's a regular on that. She's yeah. the, she's mm-hmm. part of the glue of that yeah. show for sure. She's, she's just really, really cute. And, yeah. Uh, that's you like uh, Dee Dee Myers is sort of her real life analog. There and you go. it has yeah. here on the, you know, on the Wikipedia page, the page for the novel. Uh, it has a whole section which is kind of neat, which says who are the real life analogs for some of these people, mm-hmm. which is it's neat. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that sort of as we talk, I guess. Well, the Henry character, the young black, uh, uh, he his girlfriend is a is a uh, is a is an activist. Report. Uh, she works for a sort of an activist uh, left newspaper yeah. called the Black Advocate. Yeah, and he is working for a black congressperson who I guess is just sort of a backbencher because they talk about how oh he doesn't really do anything. But right, but he's, he's more, getting yeah. yeah he's getting picked by the campaign. They're kind of. Um, to kind of set him up to take the fall by telling everybody he already works on the campaign when he doesn't. Right. Yeah. Up, they're, yeah. John Travolta is trying to court him. Right. Right. It fucks up his relationship with uh, with his um, with his girlfriend, who's you know uh, that comes back to haunt him a little bit later, uh, and he does end up working on the campaign because this is particular. Scene with Allison Janney, who's a principal at a yeah. At a, she gets a nice little cameo. Yeah, at a school where it's covered with graffiti, and she's got this adult literacy thing, mm-hmm. and Travolta's all over it. My my uncle Charlie was a a war hero, World War Two. 
he uh, sent to Iwo Jima, you know where they raised the flag? And he took out four machine gun nests of Japs, Japanese soldiers who had a squad of his buddies pinned down. He had one grenade in his rifle and his bayonet in his bare hands and he took them out. Shit. They gave him the Medal of Honor, President Truman did. And when he came home to Grace Junction, they had a parade for him. And the town fathers came to my parents' house and they said to him, Charlie, what you got in mind for yourself now? And Charlie said he didn't know. Well, the mayor said, maybe you'd like a full scholarship to the state university. And the banker said, maybe Charlie didn't want to go back to school after all he'd been through. Maybe he'd like a management job, big future at the bank. And the Saul Malone said, Charlie, you may not want to be cooped up in a school or a bank. Come manage my crew. And you know what? Damn, if Charlie didn't turn them all down. And what'd he do? Nothing. He just laid down on his couch and smoked his luckies. You couldn't get him off that couch. Was he messed up in the head from the war? No. It was just that he couldn't read. He couldn't read and he was embarrassed and didn't want to tell anyone. Which, of course, later that story turns Fake out news. to be total bullshit. Yeah, and yeah. He, that, uh, another cameo in that first scene, too, was Michael T. Williamson play, mm -hmm. or Mike, I think it's pronounced Michael T., but, uh, Mr. Williamson was uh, in this movie as the guy at the adult reading program. He's yeah. the most famous uh, from Forrest Gump. He's Bubba. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Great a great yeah. scene. He, he's, he, uh, he's uh, you know, and, and Henry's crying because yeah. he's like, this just sounds like a lot of people I knew growing and up. And it sounds like Jack Stanton, fake Bill Clinton, his name Jack Stanton, um, actually cares about this. And he's yeah. connected because he's crying. And then, like, the first the first of many first you know some subtle some obvious but the first of many giveaways that maybe he's full of shit is when henry is like let's get him out of here he likes it yeah and yeah he's like yeah, yeah. And, that, and then the funny thing is later when he goes to the campaign office allison janney is coming out of the bedroom uh, the, yeah yeah uh, come, well coming out of his his uh his office, but he's They're like all, putting like, his clothes on. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, like uh, you know, something had gone on. Uh, and he's like, "I'll get back to you. Let's talk. You know, let's talk about that program or whatever." Yeah. It's uh, he's gotten the he's gotten a little piece of the action there. Uh, she's always falling down too, which is really a funny, uh, right? Yeah, funny her little gag, moment. Yeah, when she's yeah. walking and falls down. She's yeah. funny. Uh, you know, she was in another political uh, thing, The West Wing. For yeah, years and exactly. Years. She's yeah. great in that. Yeah. Know? Well, that's, you know, thank God for TV, for some TV, because you've got Allison Janney and Maritani, yeah, and you can still see him. Absolutely. Uh, um, but, you know, not a lot of movie work, but this this was really good. Mm -hmm. um, of course, Henry and Maritani end up hooking up, which is really cool. I yeah, really like yeah. that. Yeah, and it's uh, done without any attention being drawn to it. Right. Like, she's just they in just, bed with him, yeah. and that's cool. Yeah, yeah that Which is, totally again, sort of me. like the, the sort of like... You're, the, the the relationships of someone where you you're with them a lot but in a transient way like a campaign job or something yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like, like uh, it's like hooking up with somebody you work with yeah you know? exactly you, you made forty hours a week but uh, yeah they you live over there but and I live over here it comes with the additional asterisk of we both know this is going to end on election day and that's <laughs> right. a real life thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a real yeah, I get it yeah that's a that's a that's a great one. Yeah, that Jack, uh, the the Jack Stanton uh, Travolta character, he gets by on charm. He's just yeah. a charming son of a bitch, and he charms everybody out of their pants. And uh, and and a lot of his thing is bullshit. Mm -hmm. 
You know, uh, he's he's a glad hander. They make a point of talking about how he shakes hands and that's he does the first that, line of the movie. Yeah, he does that reach in where they shakes with both hands and how good that is. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just like a great tactic. Right? Yeah. It means to share a laugh with you or a secret, a light secret, not a real one, but very flattering. If he doesn't know you that well, he wants to share something emotional with you. He'll lock in with a two hander. Yeah, that that's Paul Guilfoyle as the uh, character named Howard, a stand-in for the real-life Clinton uh, ac- uh, campaign manager Harold Ickes, and yeah. he's actually very good in the movie he too. Is Paul good. Guilfoyle, another yeah. guy with a great TV career, years in CSI. That's right. Um, right. Yeah, well, he, and then Billy Bob is the he's the James redneck Carville. Guy. He's James Carville. Yeah, 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 I yeah. think one hundred percent. He's the redneck mm-hmm. uh, advisor consultant. Uh, Back when Democrats really had like a vocal like redneck southern wing that's like you know the the doctor this is our family doctor dr beauregard henry you and jack will have to find yourselves a way to educate them yankees like this guy's a liberal you know yeah yeah just a different yeah. you know the f- well they were really irritated by that they, they got burned by the republican southern strategy yeah yeah uh you know and then george wallace throwing firebombs everywhere it's all at the same time. yeah jesus yeah so it's a it's a weird time and this is post this is post that and post uh, post Reagan. Yeah, well, this is still Almost. like this is like it's still Reagan, but he's not quite it's the election only, time. The him. only like moment, or rather, the last moment in which a guy like Bill Clinton or Jack Stanton could have been a viable Democratic nominee. The yeah. absolute last moment. Yeah, 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 it's sure. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so my question here was um, this this the screenplay. I know it's based on a book, and I know it's uh, it's it's uh, what what did I say? Uh, movie is coincidental, not real people. You know, any co- you know any any resemblance is coincidental. Right. Uh, yeah. But I wrote as Aaron Sorkin and Elaine May wannabe because sort of. I think she really has incredible ear for dialogue, and every character, none of them fall flat. None of them, and they even in their shortest scenes ring true. Two, you know, I'll. Two points in regards to that that I think you're totally right is Elaine May is able to, in this movie, uh, and Mike Nichols too, obviously, they're able to capture like the both sides of the coin, the cynicism and the idealism, and how they can exist in the same person and can mm-hmm. be quite sincere in the same person. And mm-hmm. the, the whole moral calculus of, is this worth it? Is it worth accepting these compromises because you know the other option is a Republican? Or can you not live with yourself, as we know about Kathy Bates? Right. And so uh, we'll talk about that. But the West Wing doesn't have any of that. The mm. West Wing is Democrat good, Republican bad. Yeah, like it's yeah. very much that. I I, I yeah. totally agree with that. And that's just the, yeah, and but that's uh, it's TV. And, and the is... other thing is Aaron Sorkin, who also has really good sense of dialogue, and that is you know the reservations I have with him. His dialogue is why he's notable. Right? Yeah, yeah he's it's great. very good. But the the thing is, all of his characters, no matter if it's the president or the campaign worker or a TV producer or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, kind of sounds the same, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this right. movie, they all have very distinct voices, you know, the Billy Bob Thornton character and the way Henry talks. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Particularly the way Kathy Bates talks. Yeah. Kathy Bates is, a, she steals, she chooses scenery because she's just a big dyke. She's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, and who, really great. who, uh, you know, who went to college with them and, uh, she worked on the McGovern campaign, um, you know, and it, and it gets into a thing where uh, the, the 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 Stanton character 
has always said, we're not going to go negative. We're not going to go right. negative. And then at one point, he says, fuck it. I'm going to bury this guy. Yeah. And, After and they did, he, like, some, they said something about he, him, yeah. He comes to regret that. Uh, it, it's it's really, because uh, you just never know. Um, and I'm sure Billy Bob, in fact, Billy Bob leaves at one point because, because Robert, Robert Klein, Klein shows up as the, the New York, York guy. Advisor. Yeah. They, they're really trying to do the New York thing. And Billy Bob called it, his character said, you know, the, the, the governor who was running against him and polling really well, uh, is going to drop out, and he did. He drops out. What, Larry uh, Hagman? Or no, the no, guy. No, the, 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 you don't ever see him. He's okay, the New yeah. York governor, oh, I guess. Oh, fake Cuomo. Fake yeah. Cuomo, yeah. Ozio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, exactly. Uh, and Billy Bob's sitting on the laying on the cast. Going, oh, he's going to drop out. Yeah. You know, he's going to make a lot of noise, and then he's going to drop out. Uh, but no, the Larry Hagman character. Um, I was going to well, say. Well, we'll get to him. We don't yeah, want to go. Cause we don't he's, get yeah, we don't want to miss stuff. We do that a lot where we'll switch around and then just miss stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, ping pong ball in a windstorm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the um, but that's a really pivotal point in the campaign where where uh, where where Travolta's character decides to go. You know that he's got to kind of protect his. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to win. And so he's getting kind of beat up being a good guy. Right. Or being like, yeah, just by uh, uh, by being like late to that party, late to the yeah. negative campaign. Yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's the other thing. And if you and because I told you, I'm also like a, a I mean, you know, this uh, I'm sort of a nerd for weird old debates on YouTube <laughs> right, and primary right. debates. <laughs> and that's like when they show the attack ad that the guy who has a heart attack runs and it's like. Uh, he just has these kind of, I don't know what exactly what he says, but to the effect of like, or when they're in the debate together, you know, all, you just give these sort of feel good, mushy, bland answers that anybody could support, but not actually say anything. What, if anything, are you against? And I can tell you that was Bill style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he also he also played to the and it's the movie brings this out. It's like are are you are you for us or against us? You know it's uh it's and and that's the that was the Bush G W Bush mm-hmm. thing. You're either for us or against us. And, and then uh, when uh, he goes to New York and Robert Klein comes in, there's the whole thing where it's yes we're gonna attack our opponent and they go to he goes to the nursing home. Yeah, and just, oh, he God. says like oh he's gonna go against social security and medicare and he doesn't like israel and this and that mm-hmm. um basically like he's playing on these old voters fears right the very specific issues and then the next scene after that he's on the radio show with rob reiner mm-hmm. which is a funny cameo yeah hello folks i'm izzy rosenblatt and i'm here with schmooze for jews <laughs> yeah <laughs> who's your favorite comedian yeah. <laughs> i know this is all nonsense so I hear she's a gambler. Does she gamble? Or right. does she go with 16? Oh, sometimes she'll go 17. And then <laughs> the scene here where, and it's something the movie does really well in in the like in capturing the hard to pin down nature of this guy. And how it's like his opponent calls into the radio show. Yeah. And he, he says, he's telling people that I'm going to cut their social security. And I, <laughs> it's a, come on, Larry, it's part of your book. Everyone knows what you're doing down here, the sleazy politics you're playing. Is it, is it okay if I, if I get a word in here? Go ahead, Governor, be my guest. What am I saying? You are my guest. <laughs> Larry, I'm looking at your campaign book here, page 18, paragraph three. What exactly does it mean when you say you want to study a freeze of cost of living adjustments? Ah, well, that's only one possibility. 
but he's also not looking at it. Yeah. So it's like, is Jack disingenuous here, or is this other opponent whose name I forgot is actually, you know, the the way that you say he is? Yeah, you know, I, it, appear, it right. appears that the the reaction of the candidate is like, blah, 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 you know, and he does have a heart attack. He has, two he has heart a heart attack, attack, right? Right after the radio and, show. And uh, even before that happens, there's the other issue where Willie, the guy from the barbecue joint in Mammoth Falls, Mammoth Falls, uh, USA, uh, un, mm-hmm. un uh, uh, confirmed state. It's the uh, Mammoth Falls is where Jack is from. Well, there's the old guy named the guy named Willie, the barbecue guy, right, the, right, the right. black barbecue yeah. guy. Governor Willie McAllister came to see me last night. His daughter is pregnant, and she says you're the father. And he's, uh, Henry and uh, the Paul Guilfoyle character have to go cover it up, and Henry feels real bad about it, and etc. 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 But like that whole thing too, it never puts its fingers on whether or not Jack was the father. The movie never says that. Ne- never yeah, does. But it, uh, does, he, it makes he, it clear that he's worried about it. Which yeah. Is a, well, he does fake a blood test, yeah. which Kathy Bates throws in his face, saying, mm-hmm. "Obviously, you thought there could have been a possibility," which is telling me that you fucked your babysitter. Right. Uh, and she really that was a really catastrophic scene because Kathy Bates brings it. She yeah, big and the, time. let that scene. Is, is killer. Um, she gets first, and we'll get to it, but she gets well, first introduced she, to the yeah, movie. Yeah, she brought on to be like a, like an attack dog. A, a dustbuster, she yeah. says. And she says, <laughs> You know, honey child, I'm stronger than dirt. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes in to deal with like a, they call her Cashmere McLeod, which is a funny name. It's but a hairdresser. Yeah, it's yeah, fake that, Jennifer Flowers, yeah, right? And it's yeah. this whole thing. And that's never made clear either. We know that Jack Stanton has affairs. We don't know if he had an affair with this woman or not because Kathy Bates exposes that it was fake tapes. Yeah, it was so fake tapes. It, and Henry, again, Henry remembers it being an exact phone call that Henry had, uh, that Henry had, yeah. had with, the, with uh, Stanton. And uh, the stealing, I see, stealing phone uh, phone calls, that's that's a possibility. I guess, yeah. That was a possibility. And, you, and you know what's really funny about uh, about the Jennifer Flowers thing? Um, that sort of went by the wayside like Trump's stuff did. Where, uh, and the movie like, sort of You know, Trump's that. attitude was, he, he was a brutal piece of shit. He would say, oh, I, uh, first of all, who would want to do that? You know, he's always doing that to women. Oh, she's not my type. Look at her. Who would do that? You know, how yeah, many beers Trump. would it take? Yeah, he's I a fucking no asshole. Yeah, but yeah. with Clinton, well, I remember distinctly, I used to watch Howard Stern's uh, TV show, uh, and, <laughs> and Stuttering John, who was one of his re- cast regulars, went to the press conference with Jennifer Flowers. Oh, yeah, I think, and, I, think I knew that. And what's really funny is he's kind of in the back, and all these all these reporters have asked all these questions, and he, I don't know how he got press credentials, or if he did, he's in the back, and he's, he says, will you be sleeping with any other presidential candidates? <laughs> and the whole room, even <laughs> she had to laugh at that. It's funny, yeah. Yeah, it was funny, but it sort of made her out like this movie makes yeah. her out to be kind of a She's kind of an idiot. Yeah. yeah, the movie. I mean, they they call her all kinds of mean things. Which yeah. I mean, the Bill Clinton called Jennifer Flowers. Well, his campaign called Jennifer Flowers all kinds of mean yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. I remember like James. Car- and this is a. I'm I'm probably butchering the quote, but I remember reading somewhere where James Carville responded at the time like. Man, if these uh, conservatives wave fifty dollars around a trailer park, they can get anybody to tell any story <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, really, it's unbelievable. Like she's just a yeah, and, uh, and uh, for sale. Yeah. yeah, she claimed to have had an affair for over ten years with. Clinton. Yeah, and maybe she did, but it and Clinton certainly had affairs with people. But the circumstances around that one do seem iffy. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it that, was really strange. It was really it was strange really because strange of moment. how like 
yeah, the, and that's they play it in here like it's kind of an like a strange moment too. And Kathy Bates finds out she investigates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, it's this attorney who has a, a really funny office. There are like some funny signs in his uh, office. The production designed by Bo Welch, but this random attorney who she in, threatens to blow his dick off and, and very low yeah. budget like Jack Weston. Yeah, kind of very. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like a sign on his office where it says something along the lines of. You know, it's just a sign on his, you know, on the on the office where it's like, once you abandon your principles, everything else is easy. Like, which is, <laughs> which is the theme of the movie. Also, it is. You know, exactly that's, uh, that to me is just movie. in this. That's a great catch. small little detail, um, which is you know great stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I remember Billy Bob. I wrote down where he's talking to Henry and he's saying, "I got some slave in me. I can feel it." Yeah. Trying to equate himself Holy with uh, any black yeah. person. Which is like, the point is, because Henry is sort of an Ivy League elitist, he's not, quote, he's unquote, not black really enough. black. Right, and right. Kathy Bates says a similar thing to him yeah. later when it's like, Henry says, oh, no, they can't get away with this. The world can't allow them to get away with this. And Kathy Bates has a very good line. Oh, my. Imagine a black boy saying that. What a privileged fucking life you've had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty funny. It was funny. But it's also like, I mean... You know, to to say you're blacker than any black person, even if it is Clarence Thomas, is just not a it's cool. Not, move. not cool. Yeah, yeah I, I would cool. agree with that. But politics, again, like you said, all bets are off. Yeah, man. and it's and it's the last time that the Democratic Party would have been home to that type of language. I think, at least I, openly. You're yeah, right on there, right on there. Did, and another thing, you know, the way in both Billy Bob and Kathy Bates' character, uh, what about the Winona Ryder lady? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kathy like, Bates says that one looks like Renault, yeah, well, Winona Ryder, Kath- I want her. The, when we first see Billy Bob, he's like, uh, he says to Henry, Say hi to Winona for me. Who? <laughs> he means Jennifer Rogers. Every girl Richard falls for is Winona Ryder to him. <laughs> oh, oh, that's... <laughs> psychotic. <laughs> yeah. Which is such a funny use of the word psychotic. Like, I, I, to me... That's great dialogue. Yeah, I, that's I, great dialogue. I, I bust out laughing. Yeah, at that. like if that it had said great. like if he had said that's crazy or that's weird or that's fucked up, <laughs> none of those would have been as funny. No. Psychotic was just exactly. I thought Mara Tierney, Tierney had a great line too about how uh, you know with 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 Stanton's affair, she said. They say Hitler never looked at another woman after Ava Braun. Does that make him better than Stanton? That's a great line too. Um, the one thing I noticed about. Um, Travolta, he's in the first half of the, most of the movie. He's just eating all the time. He's yeah. always eating food. Yeah, and yeah. they they talk about. I mean, uh, that's like a, obviously was a stereotype of Bill Clinton at the right. time. Yeah. yeah, and it's like he, you know, that's the thing. Not, not people probably what they knew about Bill Clinton at that time in 1992 is a horn dog. He used to be a hippie. He eats a lot of McDonald's, but he exercises. So imagine how much McDonald's he eats. <laughs> like that's the uh, 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 they even make a joke of that in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like he I mean, works out. Yeah, you don't see him working out in the movie, but you do but see him in the middle of the night the in a Krispy Kreme. Yeah, and he he's talks about it. he's like, uh, uh, first thing I do after I go for a run is come into Krispy Kreme. Which let's <laughs> talk about that Krispy Kreme scene and the. That's wild because he's there by himself with the overnight guy. It's middle of the night, and it's after one of these catastrophic. All the other characters are in the hotel room, like strategizing about the cashmere situation. Right, and then it cuts to Henry. Look out the window, and it's just 
this fucking cool shot. Michael Ball has cinematographer, but it's the red and uh, uh, green lights of a Krispy Kreme. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this movie many times over the years, and that always sticks with me because it's this painfully slow, slow zoom of Jack Stanton and the Krispy Kreme guy. And by the time, and it's supposedly from Henry's point of view, right? Because right. he sees it, and it takes such, you know, it, it pans on so slowly, and you hear the whole conversation. But by the time the camera gets to where it's like up to the Krispy Kreme, Henry's walking in. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another scene at the end of the movie that's the same trick where Henry is r- supposedly running towards uh, Kathy Bates's car after she. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, he's at, it's, it's a cool way of switching from like a point of view shot to a subjective shot without calling attention to it i don't know it's really yeah, it's, 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 it's it sort of really a cool a shot yeah and very it, cool very there's cool. not there's not a lot in this movie that stands out on a visual level because it is so dialogue and character heavy but that shot stands out yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i agree yeah the the crispy cream is like hopper edward hopper like 40 the years night later <laughs> yeah it looks like nighthawks yeah it does yeah. and that uh, guy can i get you something mr burton uh apple fritter no thanks you know that, that danny here works here every night 12 hour shift 525 an hour but, like, I was telling the governor, I don't mind. I would mind if I couldn't work. How about an apple fritter? They really pushed on those mm-hmm. apple fritters, man. And was that, was he working on the campaign later? Was he in the office with Billy Bob later? Or was it a different guy? Because I thought I saw that you guy. You know what? You might be right. Yeah, when they come in second, when he comes in second and there's a guy who says, oh, maybe we can still win. And then Billy Bob goes, are you fucking kidding me? This is a huge win. Yeah, like, that, is that the Krispy Kreme guy? I don't know, but the blonde guy who uh, they had to go out, Henry had to go out in the street and tell him not to stalk anybody. Yeah, Just hand guy. out the flyers, yeah. man. And he, he, he put a sign on his back, take a flyer, get one free. Which doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. yeah, it was really funny. Uh, the happy hairdresser. That, that that's was uh, the, old, that was old the cashmere yeah. yeah that was the cashmere headline yeah and the one um, yeah <laughs> billy bob takes his dick out in the office so, yeah listen baby i'm telling you i've got a python in here yeah and then and, and, and then henry the, really loses well it. this is also what i thought is like doubly like it's that weird kind of like insinuation of sexism on everyone's part because henry gets mad that billy bob took his dick out in the office but it's because oh you ever hear of Anita Hill? Man, you are so lucky she's cool. Yeah. Like, what like, the, what like, the fuck? Like, that's why that? you object to it? And like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he, I, I, that was very unsettling. Because Billy thought. Bob's, at, you know, what he did was unsettling. And then the, Henry comes to her defense, and you think, okay, good. But then Henry gives his reasonings for it, and it's like, no, he's fucked up too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that scene yeah, was very small, but it was there. Yeah, Henry gets very, very conflicted. Uh, you know, there's nothing like the the with Kathy Bates. I mean, she basically, they basically the 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 Larry Hagman character. Larry Hagman is a is plays a, a Florida governor who takes over for Picker, who had, no, had he is Picker. He, takes, he, is Picker, over for he takes over the for the guy. guy who had the had the multiple heart attacks and is in a coma. And his wife is uh, you know doing a presser saying, well, obviously he's not going to continue this campaign. But Picker decides to do it, and he starts to take off because he's a more honest, direct to the people kind of mm-hmm. guy than Stanton. And so they're trying to figure out how how to take him down right yeah how to get an angle on him yeah and uh comes out that like he is you know that it says you know billy bob says like oh he's just flavor of the week give give him time they'll they'll sour on him because you know he's assuming like like everybody who's a professional uh campaign worker assumes 
something will come out. He's fucked up. They're all yeah. fucked up. Like, it'll well, come and, out. And then Picker tried to head it off by saying, you know, I quit the public, public office a while ago because I fucked up my marriage and you know, I, was, I was too too motivated, too, you know, too trying to be, uh, you Got know. Cut, too caught up in the business too of being governor, business, which is what he yeah, said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that sort of head him off at the pass mm-hmm. kind of thing. That turns out to be bullshit. Yeah. And so um, Kathy Bates kind of says, okay, well, he, the only thing I can find is he was involved in a real estate deal in Clearwater that involved his brother-in-law. brother-in-law yeah. And so we, we need to go talk to this guy. And uh, But that, you know, seems legit. You know, the yeah, one, it was Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. The character who says, like, no, I, I don't think he like, had any clue we were doing that. Yeah, I, I, like, I wish he knew. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah kind of. Yeah. I, I needed the yeah. influence uh-huh. and I didn't really and get it. And he didn't it. give it to me. Yeah. But then, you know, you need to go ask uh, why he had such a coke fetish, and it turns out, yeah, he had been, turns out he was doing a lot of blow yeah. and uh, doing guys, doing blow and guys yeah, from yeah, the from yeah. the governor's mansion. Yeah, and, and he blamed it all on cocaine. Yeah. He said, "Fucking cocaine." You know, I was really so successful at everything I did, business, politics. Hell, I could handle anything except cocaine. Well, I didn't know that because of cocaine. That's really what fucked up my marriage. It wasn't anything else. And uh, I did go to bed with Renzo once or twice. Hell, it was just a coke thing. I could do anything, so I did that too. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that kind of makes sense, I guess. <laughs> Larry Hagman, you don't. You He's don't really see good. Him, yeah, you don't see him doing too many, uh, getting too many roles. You know what's really another funny? TV actor. It was my uh, my last boss. Uh, God love him is gone. Um, the house of of his that I worked in every day had pictures of Larry Hagman in the, oh, really in the kitchen. Yeah, he and Larry Hagman they were, were good friends. Cool, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I always like Larry Hagman because um, he's also has a small role in Oliver Stone's Nixon mm. as like a composite oil man sort of based on hl hunter type character really good yeah there's one moment where because he's got those eyebrows larry hagman so there's a moment where uh you know oliver stone kind of makes him look like the devil with red uh, lighting and stuff it's really cool (laughs) yeah genie oh brother and also uh, uh dallas of course yeah yeah too much so then uh the the real Cards are on the table at that point, right? Because they find right. out, and there's the Jack Stanton. You know, he's obviously you know uh, uh, has all these problems, but Henry's still convinced that he's with the people because he tells them so at Krispy Kreme, and because he spends time talking to Danny at Krispy Kreme, and because I think in his heart he does care about the people. I think Jack Stanton is totally sincere in the moments that he's doing that. Yeah, but that's the the complexity, the truck, the the, the, the trickiness of these people is. They, you know, they're somehow able to separate like, oh, well, that, you know, this ruthlessness is just the game. That's not me. I'm the one who cares about the people. That's just the game. Right, yeah, but it's like, right. well, you still did it. And, and Henry says, I'm tired of the game. He said, he said, I'm not comparing well, characters anymore. Right. I just Which I, I, I that's where I am. That's, I know exactly yeah. that feeling. And right. it's like, you know, I get that you're better than the other side, but I don't want to be complicit in like 
in the game keeping this this dichotomy going right. i would rather have a re- regular change yeah um, exactly and yeah. kathy bates uh she finally you know like listen this blood test this is not your blood right uh and, and that show it was uncle charlie uncle charlie is another lie yeah. another lie for he's uncle like charlie, a multiple yeah. lie and so kathy bates gets really bugged when she gets bugged with emma thompson too because um you know emma thompson is enabling his without bad batting an eye without batting an and eye that's another She's like just a stone cold that's another like just these characters are all you know whether it's henry or stanton or uh susan stanton they have like these complexities of like cynicism as well as like sincerity and mm-hmm. you know because she when she learns about or hears about cashmere mcleod legitimately like Upset, like legitimately oh, yeah, in yeah. pain by slaps it. Slaps Henry and, and collapses there's the in whole, tears. Yeah, and, and there's really the thing hardcore. where they do the interview where she's like holding his hand, and it's like that real life sixty minutes interview where Hillary, you know, this was lore on the Hillary campaign how she saved his ass, how she bailed him out by getting on TV. Uh, you know, I'm not sitting here as some little woman standing by my man like Tammy Wynette. I'm sitting here because I love him and I respect him and I honor what he's been through and what we've been through together. And, you know, if that's not enough for people, then heck, don't vote for him. That's like the version of that is in this movie. And the second it cuts away, there's the like close up shot of her hand, like getting out, of, not holding his hand. That's right. In so, fact, during the scene where she goes to Henry's uh, hotel room, uh, Stanton's on TV saying, my wife I know. couldn't Isn't be that here. Great? Yeah. That was perfect. That's, that's real Mike Nichols shit right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. And but so... The point of what I'm saying is we we know from the movie that she's legitimately got that sincere grief and, and upset at being betrayed by her husband. But then the second, like, she doesn't care about it anymore when it comes down to, like, you know, you you were so willing. You know what I'm talking about? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you like, know. Like, you know, she, the, about the blood test and—, and I lost my train of thought. Yeah, no, the blood test, because Kathy Bates just basically calls him out and saying, you know, here's pictures of us in college together, right, and it yeah. meant something, and I believed what you were saying, and now this is bullshit. Right, because you told me that we right. were, yeah. You remember when you said, mm-hmm. yeah, and now now look at you. Uh, and she has this folder full of evidence, and she leaves, and Henry leaves with her. And uh, then she gives Henry the folder and saying, "I'm, you know, she lets him off the hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, she had all the all the material there or to bury him. She gives Henry the power to make that decision. More than she doesn't let him off the hook so much, but she puts it in Henry's hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, deliver this for me, will you? I'm not going to use it. You're giving them the blood test info. You're letting them off the hook. Why not? Picker will go down anyway. We can't save him." The whole point of this was to see if they turn him in, and they will. They didn't even fucking hesitate. So that's that. And without saying that she's going to commit suicide, right. which is what she does. And that's a uh, that's like analogous to Vince Foster, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's terrifying. But um, it is terrifying, and it's again the movie does not fully let you know what kind of movie it's going to be until the very end. You know what I mean? That's right. And that's uh, uh, because at that point you realize, oh my God, and how devastating it is. You know, I talked in the beginning how I identified with Henry a lot as a former idealist. Uh, The scene with Kathy Bates talking to them, and Henry is just basically silent in the whole scene. And it's just Jack and Susan, like, just putting up, like, oh, no, no, it's different. You know, we're we're different, you know, but 
bullshit. Right, right. That's right. like so devastating. And when she's in the car with Henry afterwards and she says, Do you see that mood? That's me. It's beautiful, huh? But Henry, it's only reflected light. It needs the sun. And the Stantons are my son. I live my life drawing light and warmth from them. Without them, I'm bleak and cold and airless for eternity. Yeah. So, Deb, I, I want to cry thinking about it. And it's terrible. Yeah. And Kathy Bates brings up the thing. She said, you know, you're, what you're going to do is what they did to Eagleton. That's right. It, Eagleton is the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Exactly. Um, it couldn't have been that McGovern was just clueless. It had to be the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It was some, yeah, it, was some, it had to be some reason, uh, some other reason other than the... the the reality of it, and then and then uh, you know the Stanton, the Travolta character is talking, uh, eulogizing her, uh, and 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 you think he and Henry are going to her. I don't know where they think they're going. I thought maybe they were no, going they, to a cemetery. They go to Fred Picker's they house. They go to Picker's they're house. They're at yeah. Fred Picker's house. Yeah, I wasn't sure where that was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is presumably in Florida, Tallahassee, because he's supposed to be the governor of Florida. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, and and they tell he tells Hagman that uh, you know I got this stuff on you, but I'm not going to use it because he, and it's a very it's a very conflicted kind of situation that he. He sort of has an epiphany that he's just not gonna he's not gonna bury the guy. He's a and and Hagman says, you know, he said all this other shit doesn't really matter. What I'm gonna have to do is explain this to my kids. Right. Which you know and and, and that's that's pain enough. Mm-hmm. That's punishment enough. Because um, and and Jack uh, ends up yeah doesn't doesn't bury him. He does basically the right thing. And he says he does it for Kathy Bates. Libby's test, you flunked it. Yeah, but just now I passed it. So which grade do I get, Henry? The high or the low? If she hadn't died. If she hadn't died, I'd have leaked the file of someone and I'd have felt bad about it. But you know what? I would have been wrong not to do it. What I did now, I did for Libby. But Henry's like, it, yeah. He's... It's that complexity, right? Where right. It's, it's, he did the right thing, but, and he makes this very convincing case to Henry of, you know, we, you know, the, the Doing all this shit on the way there is what we need to do to get there, you know? That's, yeah, you know, we can, when we get there, we're going to do the right do thing. Do the real thing. And he's right. committed, because what's the alternative? The Republicans are going to, you know, win the election otherwise. And Henry gets bugged. I don't care. I'm sorry. But I'm not comparing the players. I don't like the game. You know, the system's corrupt, is what he's saying. The system's corrupt. It doesn't matter who we are, because I can't work in this corrupt system anymore, but... He does. He does. Well, that's quietly devastating ending. It goes from like hung on the conversation, you don't know what is gonna what's gonna happen, to Jack Very, Stanton's inauguration party. An incredible overhead shot. Yeah, an inc- a really of, cool uh, overhead of shot. Them yes, dancing through all these balloons way overhead. Um, and it's it's very cool. And then you see the double hand clasp that they talked about in the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. And it's and it, it cuts he, back he, and Henry's one of them. He goes through like more tyranny and all of them. Yeah. And Great little deep, and you know, it left me with the question of: Is Henry selling out, or it was Jack sincere in having learned something after Libby's death? It could be read either way, or both, or both. <laughs> but the reason that it gets so cynical is like, and this is just this is probably pure Mike Nichols. This touch is very directorial. 
He's going down the line, and he talks to more Tierney, he talks to whoever else is there, da-da-da, and they all say, Mr. President, Mr. President. But when it gets to Henry, the audio drops out, and he says, he, like, mouths the words Mr. President, but there's no audio. And that's the end of the movie. That's wild. Isn't that See, wild? I didn't catch yeah. that. I didn't catch that. That's really, it's uh, it's, it's really great. Yeah, it, it's very, uh, it's very, like, okay, it's sort of like, I'm on this train. If I jump off, I might kill myself or, or I might regret it. <laughs> so I, I stay on the train. And if you really do become president and we really can do some good things and you say you're going to do good things, then I might as well stay on. I think it's, um, I think it's devastating. How many people too. make that bargain and then end up being the exact problem that they try to not be? I, it's, you that's know, that's I, politics I, in America. I believe me. Yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, absolutely. That's why I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I mm-hmm. hear you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, I vote and I follow and uh, uh, and I pontificate and I uh, I think about what um, you know. Uh, one of my social experiments was um, at one point I don't know how I ended up with like nine dictionaries. My mom had a um, her grandmother's her mother's uh, my grandmother's dictionary. It was an old Webster's from like 1913, and it was unabridged. The big fucker. Yeah, you know, great big, every archaic word. And I bought a new one. It was like 10 bucks. So I thought I bought that. And then I bought a bunch of other dictionaries. I got on this dictionary jack. So I had like nine dictionaries. But if you look up the word politics. It means it's in Latin nine different for like, oh, I was going to. In nine Latin different meaning. dictionaries, you get nine different definitions. Yeah. Do you, funny sort of corollary to that is do you remember the daily show book america the book? yeah i've got it there's yeah, a fact. definition of politics in there where it's like from the latin poly meaning many and ticks meaning blood-sucking creatures <laughs> <laughs> i remember that yeah. well the best definition i found for politics it was called the uh, the definition was the art and science of government and I said, no, no, no. Politics is the art and of science of getting being elected. elected. Yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. clear. That's clear from the beginning. So, so even the dictionary can't get it right. So, uh, my mom always said, you know, nobody with any ethical uh, 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 fortitude would want the job because you owe so many people on the way out. Right. Yeah. Like, there's the thing in the wire where uh, Tommy Carcetti, the newly elected idealistic white savior supposed white savior mayor gets on the job and the, he talks about the he go, the old mayor like comes to see him and he's like so what's this job like and he's like the first day i became mayor they sit me down at the desk big chair dark wood lots of beautiful things i'm thinking how much better can it get there's a knock at the door in the corner of the room and pete comes walking in carrying this Gorgeous seat, silver bowl, hand chased, this big. It's from the unions, he says. So I think it's a present, something to commemorate my first day as mayor. He walks over, puts it on a desk. I look down at it. It's disgusting. I say, what the hell is this? I say, what the hell does it look like? And it looks like shit. <laughs> well, what do you want me to do with it? He says, eat it. Eat it? He says, yeah. You're the mayor. You got to eat it. <laughs> yeah, public service, baby. That's yeah. it. Uh, I don't know. 
This is a really good movie. Very long, too. I made the mistake <laughs> yeah. of, of, of this is my last movie to watch, and it was this morning on almost zero sleep. And then I looked at it and thought, two and a half hours. Oh, shit. It goes by. It goes by. It, yeah, it, it doesn't it, feel like it doesn't two and a half hours. Like it flows hours. really well. It, it doesn't feel like um, fucking paint your wagon. No, yeah, that's it, right. It does we not talked have, about it as a long-ass movie. Yeah, but it doesn't have that feeling of being a long-ass movie. No. Yeah. It, it's 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 uh it's, it's really well crafted mm-hmm. yeah uh, i love it i love yeah. it. i think it's probably my favorite politics movie i think it's got it, it captures like the whole mindset of why you would want to do it and why you wouldn't want to do it yeah yeah ultimately with the conclusion of why you wouldn't want to do it <laughs> yeah it, it explores you know as our esteemed former president once said both sides <laughs> both sides yeah i i I like the candidate a lot. We we love the yeah, candidate. Yeah, I like the candidate a lot too. Um, but this one is much much deeper and wider and It's uh, wide. It's I don't know if it's deeper but it's wider. Yeah, it's a good yeah, way of putting it. It's deeper, very good yeah, way of putting it's very it. Wide. Yeah. Uh, so we love it. Um Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh so that's got it some, for Lame. No, right? no, no, it's not. I've got some you facts got some to facts? share with you sir about okay. primary colors exa- uh, specifically. Did you know that Bill Clinton apparently invited Travolta to come to the White House with the condition of you have to stay as Jack Stanton the whole time. Uh, you told me yeah, that, and, and like, I can't believe like, yeah, that. You, it's just bizarre. And Travolta made the wise decision of, he said no. <laughs> he declined. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm not yeah, <laughs> Made the wise decision there. Um, um, I did note that, um, uh, just for this movie, um, Travolta had four assistants plus two security. Oh, look at that. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if that's a Scientology thing. Well, that was the height of John Travolta's movie stardom in the 90s, right? You know, so he was, he was really like, before Battlefield Earth came along and fucked him up. You know, yeah, he's on that post-Pulp yeah. Fiction run still. So yeah. he could probably get all kinds of privileges. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah, he had more He had more assistance than Carter has pills, <laughs> as uh, Neil Rogers would say. Uh, that's what I want to say. And uh, the Tennessee Waltz. Yeah. Uh, that's the song. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, that's the good. song it ends on. <laughs> And did you see, um, okay, credit stuff? Diane Ladd played Jack Stanton's mom. Uh, yeah, briefly, I did. Briefly, I, yeah. I, I saw that in the credits, and I didn't realize that was her. But yeah. as soon as I saw that, I thought, yep. Yep, she her. was in there for a second. Um, yeah, Dernsey's. Dernsey's wife, yeah. uh, Dernsey's ex-wife, and, and Laura Dern's mom. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what else do we got? So according to Wikipedia, there was a uh, controversy around the film because Mike Nichols cut a supposed love scene between Henry and Susan Stanton. Which they he got oh the the controversy was supposedly oh he didn't want to show an interracial scene I don't know I think it's more that would be a fucking terrible idea that's a really yeah, bad that idea that is not a yeah, good idea yeah, yeah. good call on cutting it Mike yeah um, if is that's that, even real is that I don't supposed know. to yeah. be the Vincent Foster shtick maybe or whatever. maybe I yeah uh, I mean Henry and Mara Tierney are in bed together so that's pretty obviously interracial and right? there's right yeah you're right. So what the fuck? That's that's a red herring. It's probably an erroneous tale. Yeah, it sounds like a a Republican ops. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You know, it had to be the CIA. Yeah. (laughs) 
Eagleton. Eagleton. And that was a terrible, terrible And McGovern episode. did sell out Eagleton. That was McGovern's yeah. Jack Stanton moment. He gets yeah. up there and says, I stand by him 100,000%. And then he retreats to South Dakota for a day and gives him the boot. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, that was terrible. That's a, that's a, and what does Billy Bob's uh, or the, uh, Kathy Bates say? It couldn't have been that McGovern was just a complete fucking amateur. But she uh, was totally on board with him. You yeah. Know? Because, but, well, because he was like... Hit, almost like his amateur qualities allowed him to follow through on his idealism. Right, And right. it was the time that he did not follow his own uh, uh, instincts, the time when he went back on the I'm standing by Eagleton decision that right. really went back on him. Exactly. The fact once he once McGovern was influenced by the political prototypes, he stopped being McGovern almost. Yeah, yeah. hello, hello. The archetypical version of this, of that it, kind of Yeah, campaign. and the fact that they bring it up and specifically name drop it at the end shows how smart this movie is. Yeah, yeah. bingo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Final thing to talk about before we just talk about Elaine May in general for a sec. So Elaine May's uh, central theme in the movie she directed, we talked about, about a couple, one side of a couple conspiring. Certainly true in the case of Jack Stanton and Susan Stanton, right? Uh, mm. Trying to cover up infidelities and yeah. et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. But there's also a weird twist on it, especially in the end when you see how, like, they're willing to just put everything else aside and steal each other to steal each other to go go against Picker. You know, th- yeah, that's, yeah. That, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, there's a twist on that theme where it's a couple conspiring against everyone instead of <laughs> one side of a couple. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it starts out one way and then becomes the reverse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie also has, f- I think, four absolutely's in it. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, a you lot were of saying absolutely. That. Yeah. The the guy Arlen Sporkin, who's one of the advisors, the press secretary or something, is great name for a Southern politico. That's really well observed. <laughs> Arlen Sporkin. I'm Arlen Sporkin. I'm the governor's media consultant. I wanted to say that uh, um, this whole thing about the barbecue guy's daughter, you know, the having uh, uh, the, yeah Willie Stanton the Stanton banged Willie's. Mm-hmm. Baby bang the babysitter. She's black and he's white, and that another, another interracial. Uh, You're interracial right. Thing. What a weird criticism. But I, I said, you know, I had a Strom Thurmond flashback. Yeah, yeah. Because Thurmond, sure. uh, Thurmond that... for years had the fact that he he got a uh, the 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 daughter of their family maid pregnant when she was fourteen. You know what? I knew that, but was that known in 1998? Did that come out later than that? This, I, that's a good I'm question. Not even sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, it, she, uh, the daughter, waited until he died to. to oh well, say then he was way it. alive in 1998. He didn't die until 2000-something. So, yeah, yeah, it didn't come yeah. out. Yeah, that's but that's bizarre. How that's probably is, common man. knowledge yeah. politically. Um, yeah, know? sure, fair. Um, and but maybe he's, not. He's probably not the only fucking guy who had that happen. Oh, no, yeah, no. I'm sure he's I mean, not. Schwarzenegger did it, and everybody's doing. It. Everybody's banging the maids. Everybody's or the maids banging the maids. Jude Law, I think somebody. Yeah. All those guys. Uh, you know, Jude Law and uh, Bill Clinton. The, you know, those guys. Yeah, <laughs> all those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he well, it. Yeah. men are scum. Right, that's my favorite. Well, t-shirt. what's there's one angry protester calls Jack Stanton a big hetero and and that's that's a good a good note to end. Yeah, end this movie yeah. On. yeah. hetero buck. Uh, so Elaine May, uh, 
elsewhere. You know, she does not have any other movies that she directed. Obviously, we talked about her four of those. She wrote a bunch of stuff as well. Um, Heaven Can Wait for Warren Beatty. Got yeah, an Oscar one of my favorite sports yep. movies next to North Dallas 40. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, she also did not another... Not even a sports movie, but anyway. It kind of, and it really isn't, but the beginning in it, especially the end, is kind of sports yeah. movie um, so the Birdcage for Mike Nichols, she also wrote another collaboration between those two. Yeah, that was an adaptation of a French film. Right? La Cage à Foule. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen the original. Yeah, I've French seen one. the original. It's the, quite good. They're the Nichols good. one is quite good. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, funny. They're both yeah. quite good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, she actually was. She won a Tony a couple years ago in 2019. Wow, uh, I didn't know that. 60 year absence from the stage. She uh, played the Waverly Garden by Kenneth Lonergan. And uh, she won a Tony Award, Best Actress in a Play. No shit. And uh, yeah, it looks like just this year. She'd done a lot less acting than, um, you know, we were talking about how Cassavetes uh, as an actor. She did. I think she did a lot more acting earlier than later. Mm, Um, Yeah. It looks like, yeah, so she was, let's see, TV, TV. She did theater acting. Uh, uh, she was in a Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf as Martha, where Mike Nichols played George. Isn't that we talked wow, about that on the that's other? Right. Yeah, I which forgot is, about sounds that. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see that. I, yeah, I don't think anybody filmed it, but that would be great. Um, so let's see. As far as acting, yeah, she didn't act a whole lot. She was in a Woody Allen movie, Small Time Crooks. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I then forgot about that. Too. She was in. She was in several things before A New Leaf, and then not a lot after that. She, a California Sweet, Alan Alda movie, right? And Michael. Right. That's a Neil Simon story. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she's in a few things. I guess she's briefly in The Graduate too, as Girl with Note for Benjamin. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. Uncredited, know that but that's what apparently. Hmm. Um, and uh, there you go. She is uh, awarded by President Barack Obama for her. Uh, contributions to American comedy. What was it? She got some kind of medal. What was it? Hold on. Oh, I like that. Uh, medal of the Arts. Oh, here we go. Something. Yeah, National Medal of the Arts in yeah. 2013 by President Obama for her lifetime contributions of, to American comedy, yeah. which is really neat. And, um, you know, the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences just this very year gave her an honorary Oscar. No kidding. For her, quote, bold, uncompromising approach to filmmaking as a writer, director, and actress. They sure didn't feel that way at the time. No, no, no. no. They they gave her the Orson Welles treatment, right, basically. Yeah. And St- Eric von Stroheim. Uh, yeah. I, I threw his name out there because he wanted to make a... What was the movie he was going to make? It's fucking 12 hours long. Oh, that's all... The, the list we talked about earlier, I don't have the name, but that list yeah, we talked yeah. about, about... And the studio's like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Yep. Um... She's still alive too, Elaine May, ninety years old. Good, um, we love you. Know, you. How, that's what number four on Alive People, I think. Three, yeah, four, five. We're yeah. Get, we're we're moving up the Alive yeah. People. We yeah. might get to double yeah. digits, maybe. We'll get there, maybe, yeah. Maybe uh, next week we're going to talk about a dead person. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure which one, but he or she will surely be dead. Well, on that happy note, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm Todd Edmondson. I'm Matt Kennedy. All right.